Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hi there, tech fans. I'm Will Sturt, Will Sturt the Tech Sideline founder. And uh, what a great weekend in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech softball and baseball. That's what we're going to talk about on today's TSO podcast, episode 239. We're going to start with softball and their fantastic, dramatic regional win. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about baseball being the number one seed in the ACC championship coming up. And I have with us a very special guest, somebody you'll probably recognize. And that's all coming up on episode 239 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. Welcome back in. Some episodes of the TSL podcast are a lot of fun to do, and this is going to be one of them for a couple of reasons. It's always fun to do a TSL podcast after lots of wins, and it's always cool to have a very special guest. So without further ado, Malcolm, let's cut to the guy across from me sitting in his old host chair. Ladies and gentlemen, Evan Hughes, the man who helped make the Tech Sideline podcast what it is today. Evan, how are you doing? I'm great. It is. First of all, it's great to be back with you guys. It was fun to sit and watch the regionals this weekend with you guys. And uh, it's amazing to see the changes. First of all, these new microphones, the new additions. Uh, The Hokies are sharp, dadgummit. That's my favorite thing we've got up here, and I'm glad it's still here. So thanks for having me back, though. Seriously, it's going to be a fun. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, so we're going to grill you in a second about, you know, what you've been up to since since graduating and and, and all that. First, let's say who else is up here on set. Over in the red shirt chair, we've got Tech Sideline Managing Editor and continual TV star, David Cunningham. I just know how to get on TV, man. You just really, you you got, if you want to get on TV, you need to hang out just, near just me. Just hang man. out with David Cunningham. And over there in the fourth chair today is uh, Tech Sideline lead, lead Analyst Chris Coleman. Uh, recent, Chris, this is the first podcast since you got back, right? Yep. Yeah, so That's Chris right. was over in England for 10 days, a couple of weeks. Oh, a week. Yeah, not long enough. Got to see two Tottenham wins and two Arsenal uh, losses. No, well, exactly. I'm, 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 I'm happier. The same thing. I'm happy for you about the wins, but I'm happier about the losses for Arsenal. No, I hear you. Um, no, Tottenham's never lost a game that I've been at, and whenever I leave, Virginia Tech always gets all these commitments, right? <laughs> so I feel like between the Tottenham fan base and the Virginia Tech fan base, we should be able to pull enough money together to move me to London. There you go. And I think it could be to the benefit of both teams. You know, I think with the exception of the Tech Sideline podcast, you could work remotely. Oh, sure. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. You know, and it, it'd be good for tech recruiting. And good for <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So fair warning. Uh, I went to bed at one o'clock last night. Uh, I was working on an article before I went to bed. I worked on an art, had doctor's appointment this morning, which was scheduled weeks ago before I knew what an awesome morning this would be. And uh, then finished up my article. So that's my, you know, I, I always like to apologize for how poorly I do hosting the show. So, so that's my way of setting the table for like, I'm not really prepared here. 
fortunately, I'm with guys who know baseball and softball and, you know, we'll, we'll be able to, to wing this thing. So, so Evan, let's start with you. Um, graduated tech last year. Uh, tell us what you've been up to. I mean, I mean, most people know, you know, but for those who haven't seen you or heard you since you uh, exited as a Tech Sideline podcast host, what's going on? It's been a really fun year. Kind of hard to believe. Uh, I got the Facebook memory couple of days ago that you graduated a year ago and I'm wow. like wow it's hard to believe it's been a it's been a fast year no I've been uh life has been really good yeah. uh, I've really enjoyed uh being the assistant director of broadcast services over Virginia Tech Sports Properties what a fun year for me to get to come into and be the <laughs> voice of tech women's basketball and baseball and you know the incredible year that women's basketball had a program record 13 ACC wins Shepard the all-time leading scorer Kitley the ACC player of the year yeah. um, that incredible win will go down as one of my favorite games I've ever called in my life in North Carolina in the quarterfinal and the the Amor and one and then the overtime the thriller that that so was So I was actually sitting in the drive-through line at Arby's when you were calling that game really? that, yeah that was fantastic to listen to uh, I, was, I, uh, I I was like 5 sheets down from him on press row <laughs> Yeah that's right <laughs> It was a ton of fun and then uh and then you know getting to uh to work with our baseball team it's been it's been incredible I mean the run that they have been on right now I mean, they have been, I think, one of the stories in college baseball this year. And uh, I think the best part for me, most rewarding, is the people that I get to go into work with every day. Um, I cannot begin to tell Hokie Nation up just how good of people Kenny Brooks and John Sheff are. Just two tremendous Hokies that love their jobs. They've got great staffs, really great people in the program. So calling those games and then uh, staying busy in the podcast realm as well, uh, hosting Hokie Sports Insider podcast that we launched this year that kind of covers the Olympic sports. And um, there's just so many great stories that these athletes have at Tech, right? Whether it's you know, like men's soccer and a couple of players that are uh, from across the pond, like Chris Coleman was last week, and telling their story or whatever that may be. That's um, one of the bro- the bummers of broadcasting, right? Sometimes you prep for these great stories, and then the game's so good and you don't get to share them. Right, right, right. So having a podcast to be able to have these student athletes, these coaches come on and talk, it's been uh, it's been a great year. It's been rewarding, and we're not done yet, as we're going to talk about. Uh, still a lot more baseball left to be played this year so so they have they have they drafted you into sponsorship sales yet are you doing, are you doing that part <laughs> well, of the business I, I i love working with our, our sponsors <clears throat> and we've had a lot of them on uh especially as of late the baseball broadcast but and women's basketball as well having them on during halftime and um so you at, go all nascar right and start talking about the sponsors <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it, but they it's really fun though because they all like love um love virginia tech and it's great when they get to go and have their 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 clients and their team get to come and have a day at Castle or English Field, and then they get to share their product. And um, it, it's been it's been really rewarding learning more about them. A couple of them have actually thrown out first pitches as of late at uh, at English Field, and I'm going to drop the name of the the golf professional at Blacksburg Country Club. But let me tell you, threw an unbelievable strike right down the middle. Yeah. Very very impressed. That is that's not easy to do. I'm telling you, when you go to the rubber. That's uh, it's not easy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to try. I that. saw someone in a major league game throw one into the crowd recently, like, <laughs> over the protective just a bit outside. Well, I swear, Evan, when people do that, they do it on purpose. Evan, I, <laughs> I assume you don't want me to bring up the first pitch. So Evan got so when we I went up and visited St. Cloud with Evan last year, and they let Evan Hughes throw out the first pitch. He was the voice of the Rocks for a couple of years. Let's. It was a little high. I'll say. I'll, I'll say that. But so his, to his point, it's kind of hard to throw out a first pitch sometimes. I wasn't going to bring it up, but. 
I, uh, you know, I go back. We've got our managers still managing the team. I know a couple of the players. I'd never played baseball. I, I not an inning, not really? literally, not deep. I never played baseball growing up, and so our managers like. You gonna go stand in front of the mound? I was like, absolutely not. I'm gonna go to the rubber. And there were about a thousand people out there, and so they, they call my name, and I'm I'm waving, and I get out to the rubber, and in my head, I'm like, oh my god, I got a real. I said, I I can't, I cannot be Carly Rae Jepsen. I cannot be Fifty Cent. Can't I be said, Riley Wyatt. So I, <laughs> so I just said, I'm gonna release high, and so I swear to you, the video, the ball was so high out of frame, and then it drops back down, and so I, I would rather be that guy than someone who spikes it, you know, and it takes a, b- a couple of hops to home plate. So I've never been on a pitcher's mound. Are they very high up? Like, Oh, it's high. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. yeah no, it's uh, no, no, no messing around there. You gotta, so anyways, I, I now have a deeper appreciation for people who come in on first pitch and throw one right down the middle. <laughs> so it's interesting being with you this weekend. We we sat in the out out outfield seats for i don't know two or three games uh, i lose track of stuff but it's interesting walking around with you i'm used to being accosted while we walk around especially if you're wearing the brand and people left us alone and they're great they are you evan hughes oh hey, are you evan hughes after the game well uh, we're all walking back to our cars and this guy comes up to evan hughes and lot two and says hey evan i love you man <laughs> dead serious evan's gonna be having his own nil gear pretty soon <laughs> well you know and that that's another part too like i feel really lucky that i get to spend three years being the podcast host here right and getting to know the wonderful people on the message boards and um you know, kind of getting to develop that relationship through TSL, but then now even more so through this. I mean, the amount of people, A, that came up to me early on, like, Evan, love the TSL pod. I mean, I still get that. And uh, I love the great success that you guys are continuing to have with this podcast and the job that Jake and uh, and Katie and, and so many others have done. But it's one of the best parts of my job. I love getting to talk to people, like meeting Hokies, wherever you're from, um, it's a special place when you're in Blacksburg and people feel like they're at home here. And so to be somebody that can try and give a piece of home from afar, doing broadcast and doing podcasting and trying to make people feel back at home, I take a lot of, um, a lot of pride in doing that for our, uh, the best fan base in the country. No doubt about that. Oh man. And back in the day, like, you know, like Bill Roth resonates with people because back before television was so prominent, a lot of people, that was the only connection they had to the game was Bill Roth calling it on the radio. So uh, let's let's continue to wear this topic out. I wanted to read a couple of tweets to you. So we announced that you were going to be on today on our Twitter. And uh, there are two responses, and I found this interesting. One of them says, it's from Stephanie Gomez-Wilson, who says, it was interesting to watch the ACCNX stream, which used Evan's radio call for audio. You could see in real time how well he paints the picture for listeners. Fantastic job. Oh, wow. And Thank the you. Next, the next tweet is Jeffrey. He says, Evan is doing a fantastic job painting pictures for the listeners slash viewers. There you go. Your regular Bob Ross. Over there, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate that because I, I recognize I still have a long ways to go, but that's my goal. If you, if you listen um, to our broadcast, I want you to know exactly what's going on. You know, as a listener, I want to know, is the defense in a shift? What's the wind doing? You know, I honestly sometimes try and close my eyes and just think, like, what does a listener need to know? Is a ball chopped to third? Is it, you know, scra- You know, every, every little detail I feel like you've got to bring. And so, um, th- but I will say as of late, the details for Tech Baseball have been uh, swung on and clobbered, <laughs> hammered, destroyed. 
Uh, <laughs> a lot of it with Carson Jones. A lot with ACC Co-Player of the Week. I mean, they just keep hitting home oh, my, runs. My, my so. favorite t- uh, text message of the week was Chris Coleman texting, who the hell is Carson Jones? <laughs> <laughs> He'd been out of the country for two weeks, and, and this phenomenon had just appeared. Yeah, and of course, Evan's on the air and literally texted back within like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, was, I, I, I did. Evan's just like, yeah, you know, uh, he's like, he, he, this is only like his Fourth start of the season. Well, I forgot it. He started 14 games last year. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Listen, but, when Chris Coleman texts you, you find a way to respond, <laughs> all right? I was like, Evan, aren't you in the middle of calling it a game? <laughs> I was in a commercial break. A commercial break, but yeah. yes. All right, so let's get to softball. First, yeah. The first thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, we, we were all there. Chris was there for the St. Francis game. We were all there for a lot of games this weekend. I thought that the production by Virginia Tech Athletics was top-notch. I thought the way that they handled things was well done. Now, admittedly, it's it's easier to do things for a crowd of 2,000 than it is for a huge mob. But, you know, I, I, we've got a Monday Thoughts that I put together that we're going to run later today. And I said, you know, you're talking about a sport, Tech Softball, that doesn't charge admission. Yeah. That park is not gated off. People just walk in and sit down. But this is a regional. They had to charge. There were some reserve seats. There were mm-hmm. some general admission seats. And I thought altogether they did a great job of traffic flow, food, drinks, even I'm not going to call them bathrooms. They were porta potties. So, you know, what would you guys think? I, I thought I thought they were pretty good. I mean, they had first of all, they had Beamer way blocked off. Um you know, so and there were food trucks out there, and I, I didn't not try the food truck, but I know you did. I believe, I did. Um, you know, it they smelled good. You know, they looked pretty good. Um, you know, but and I, I will say, um, it's it's interesting because, and I'm sure Evan feels the same way a, a little bit because he doesn't have as many opportunities to be as a, a fan as right. I do. You yeah. know, we, we're both kind of in that same media boat where we're rarely out in the stands. And so like between going, I caught baseball on Tuesday and then I, we got a little bit of baseball on Saturday with the rain, but softball too, all the prices are, you know, fan friendly, which is really helpful. And you can go up and get a hot dog for $2 and 50 cents. Like that's a deal, wow. you know? And, and um, I thought, of course they brought in, Two bleachers held about a thousand fans, so the capacity was about two thousand. Um, but I thought, just in general, like it was very well run. Um, and you tweeted out, uh, you quote tweeted the uh, the Kentucky head coaches Rachel Lawson her uh, um, her, comments her comments on it, and, and she praised it as well. And I think overall, it was it's a it's a good venue already. It could use some, a little bit of renovation, you know, obviously, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the crowds were were really good, and um, I, I don't really, I don't think like anybody really had any problems. I didn't hear a, hear or read a single complaint. I, I was I was blown away, and I think it starts at the top with Chris Helms, who did a terrific job as the tournament director, all the way down to the ushers that were bringing everybody in, to the different food vendors that were there. Uh, I thought it was an incredibly well-run event. So a hat tip to everybody here at Virginia Tech that I have the pleasure of working with. And um, it, w- it was super fun and unique. Like, you always remember that that first softball regional, right? That 08 team that made it to the Women's College World Series was a one seed, but they couldn't host it at the time, so you had to go to Tennessee. But um, I-, I thought, again, the fan base was off the charts. And what I was really curious to go back afterwards was to go watch the home runs and see how did it sound over the broadcast. And you could tell, like we thought it was loud in person and it really resonated well 
I thought on replay. I, I just think whether it was over a thousand fans being in the stands until one in the morning yeah, on yeah. Sunday, whether it was the baking, baking sun, I will not show my sunburn, but I got a huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, the fans, I, I tell you what, another thing too, I should have let off with this. Um, lot two for parking. When I made the left on the Beamer way to go to the St. Francis game before baseball on Friday, the tailgating, I mean, lot two, lot yeah. three, I mean, there was legit tailgating going on. And the vibes, it, it was just, it was a 10 out of 10. It really was. Yeah, the, fan, so, the fans showed out for real. And, so, and I will say one last thing. They need to keep those bleachers out in left field because because those bleachers, that that seat, it's such I mean, we both, we all sat there for both the games yesterday. I love watching that game from that angle. I want to point out also that uh it's really it was tough for Virginia Tech during football season to find people to work games. Yeah. And they had to bust people from out of town and pay them twenty dollars an hour because there's not enough people in this area right now that want to work jobs like that. Like even even some of the bars in Blacksburg have different schedules these days. Restaurants, yeah. right? Because there's not there's not enough work, not not enough people in the workforce right now. So to put on an event of, of that magnitude, having never done it at Tech Softball Park before, was very impressive. I thought. Yeah, and uh, so the tailgating you were seeing—that's the players' families, primarily along along Beamer Way. But so I wanted to say that, uh, uh, and we'll get to this. The first uh, super regional game is at two o'clock on Friday. Yes. Um, ESPN so, so get out there at like 11, and I mean, it, it, it takes people a second to realize, oh, you can tailgate for something like that. So definitely recommend it. Um, so that that covers the first thing I'm going to do, which is, which is a great show by Virginia Tech Athletics. And so let's um, let's go through, clearly the championship game is one to talk about, but mm -hmm. let's quickly go through some of the other games. Sure. And so, you know, Virginia Tech starts off with a 4 nothing victory over St. Francis on uh, Friday. Um, Keeley flirts with a perfect game, then has to settle in air quotes for a no hitter. Um, you know, clearly Keeley had a great performance, but I remember coming away from that game just thinking, "Man, the bats have the bats have got to come around." And this was continuing a not great hitting performance from the ACC tournament, maybe even a game or two before that. So um, while while we were pleased with what happened uh, with Keeley in the circle, I was still concerned about the bats after the St. Francis game. Yeah, no, and I, I thought that they got the timely hitting that they needed in yeah. that first game. But I, I go back to something that Coach Demore said. I don't know if it was in uh, a press conference leading up or a chat that I had with him on Hokie Sports Insider last week. But he was, I mean, he was saying that in batting practice they they hit the ball so hard, right? And yeah. there's not a lot that you can change because in practice they're fantastic, and just sometimes you're facing. Really good pitching. I mean, I know some might see the name St. Francis, but that's a conference champion. And their starter that, was pretty good. They, yeah. Absolutely. No, I thought good Vila. So, um, you know, the phrase is survive in advance, right? You take yeah. whatever win that you can possibly get. But as we'll talk about, I mean, the bats really did start to come along as the weekend went along. Yeah, and, and worth pointing out is that, sure, they only scored four runs, but that included two outs, two two. A runner's thrown out at the plate, or one of them wasn't at the plate. It was a rundown between between home and third. And if you kind of and and we were in the stands talking about this, the 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 runner that was thrown out at the plate, you have to make St. Francis make that throw. No yeah. question, try him. It was because it was it was their left fielder that caught it, shallow left field. But I mean, why not try it? You yeah. know? And it was it was Bree Peck, and I mean Tech ended up putting up enough runs to win. Angie got Keely Rashard on the mound, yeah. threw no hitter. I mean. That was that was a pretty good start to the tournament. Wow, I just realized in my article I was talking about Keeley's pitch count and I totally left out the St. Francis game. Yikes. 
So I've got to go back and do a rework on I that. I didn't think that's that's you, 77 pitches. You're like, that's right. awfully I'm low. Like, that's pretty yeah, low. Yeah. <laughs> See, so in my mind, I, I just, I locked into like everything that happened from the first Kentucky game yeah. on not, I totally dismissed the St. Francis game. So that's going to require a little rewrite before we publish. So let's talk about the next day, um, Kentucky and Virginia tech with Virginia tech as the home team. Yeah. Um, and that game was originally scheduled to go off at three. three rain delay got pushed out to five. And I, I felt like, and, and I'll, I'll put this in today's article, there was a critical at-bat early on where Emma Lemley got into it with, I don't remember who the batter was, it was a 12-pitch at-bat. Mm. I think there was one out and somebody on, if I remember correctly. And I, I, I talked to you guys and I said, this is a critical at-bat. She needs to set the tone here. And she eventually got the pop-up. So Lemley gets out of that and, um, Gets out of that first half inning good, and then Tech comes in, and I don't know, what is it, single, walk, walk, boom, grand yeah, slam. Yeah, Meredith Law, grand slam. Yeah, and so I'm feeling pretty good at that point. Yeah. Four, four nothing after one. Yeah, and then it kind of started to crawl after that, and for, for me, the nerves set in. So what do you guys recall about those middle innings? I will say the one game that I, I did miss, Tech Baseball was going on, yeah, so I right. missed the so majority of that calling. game. I uh, I saw the bottom half of the seventh inning to end it. Uh, but I, I will I will say this, that I read somewhere um, that Coach Lawson of Kentucky, uh, apparently they didn't play a lot before uh, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, they had like two two games in two weeks or something yep, like that. And, uh, and she said somewhere yeah. that, they had been preparing for Virginia Tech that they felt confident that the committee was going to put them in the Blacksburg Regional. Remember, in 2019, Tech in Pete DeMore's first year went to the Lexington Regional, yeah. lost to Kentucky in a regional championship in 19, and then they played earlier this year. So she said that they had been preparing for weeks. I'm sure to see Keeley again in this team. And so um, I thought that was just one one storyline that was interesting, you know, kind of down the stretch when, when Keeley came in that first game. I mean, they you could tell they've they, seen her for multiple years, yeah. right? I mean, this isn't a true SEC, ACC where you don't see each other until a postseason. Yeah, and, and so going into the weekend, one of the questions was, are they going to start Emma against St. Francis and throw Keeley against Kentucky in the first game? And he did it the other way around. And uh, I believe if you go run the numbers, Emma gave up four runs in 13 innings, which is, is pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, and so Kentucky pitches by committee. Yes. Kentucky Kentucky essentially has like six or seven girls. And I think they only threw about four or five. But And as they got more into Sunday, they start, you know, Tech started shelling some of their, you know, as the bats started to get hot. And, started, they're, and they're quick to make a change. Kentucky yeah, started is. shelling some of their other pitchers. And so, but, but. The the girls that threw on Saturday, Tech struggled a little bit, and that's what I was going to get into. Because what I remember is Tech had that great first inning, and we're, you know, and I told you, I said, okay, Emma Lemley has a four run lead. She gets to manage for the rest of the game. That is a great start. Yeah. First inning, four run lead. You got six innings. Either can put a little bit more runs on the board, but you've also got a four run four runs to work with. Tech had one hit in the second and then didn't have another hit until the sixth. Tech well, if I remember correctly, hits. Kentucky changed pitchers after that 4-0 start. They didn't mess around. Yeah, and, and they went to uh, the girl that ended up uh, – I think she started in the, the 
the game on the first game on Sunday. Right. And didn't do as well, but yeah. she, she pitched, but she pitched very well on Saturday and tech just couldn't really hit her. Yeah. And that was, it was kind of a stalemate a little bit. Kentucky had a couple innings where they got runners on base, but just couldn't really do anything. And Emily, Emily you got to give her credit. I mean, she handled weathered the storm kind of corralled them and didn't let them do anything, but it got to the point where it was kind of just like, you know, Tech might have to put up another run or two to win this game. Well, if I remember correctly, it was four to one, and you go into the top of the seventh, and Kentucky gets gets an infield signal one, single, one of those choppers that yeah. had that we talk about how how many infield hits there are in softball. Mm-hmm. Because if you hit the ball and it's not a real strong hit, and you're a fast runner, or if you hit a chopper and you're a fast runner. They can make the play cleanly, and you can still get on. So yeah. that happened. So she singled. Yeah, so they singled the second. That was with Lemley on the mound right. still. And, and then, then they subbed in Keeley, and then it was a single to short, the top of the lineup. That was Koala. And then it was also another chopper. Another chopper. And, and so, so suddenly you got the first two batters on, and you've got the tying run coming to the plate, but it got worse than that. Yeah, well, and so Keeley struck out one, and then this is the three-batter that came up and, and singled the left and, and they that, score a and run that on scored that. a run. Four so that was two. four two and they still got two on and the winning run comes to the plate. Right. And then this Go was Ren- Renee Abernathy. Yep. She homered to right and scored two other runs. So they scored three runs. So then they went up five, four. And at that point you're just sitting there going, Oh my, Oh man, that was a gut punch, yeah. you know? And, and so Keeley got the next two batters out. Tech came in and did get the tying run to second, but couldn't bring it across. Yeah. And I don't – everybody said the right thing after the game. Well, you know, well, we'll just have to win tonight and keep playing and anything can happen. But, you know, actually being – you know, talking to Chip Grubb, and Chip spends a lot of time with the players' families. Uh, they, they knew what they were up against. Yeah. Um, Chip talked about on the podcast about how you really need to win that winner's bracket game at 3 o'clock on Saturday, which turned out to be 5 o'clock on Saturday. Right. He said, or you're in for a long night. Yeah. So by and the, that it was. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the so the game's over at like I don't know seven thirty or something like that. And, yeah. And then Tech has to watch St. Francis and Miami of Ohio play, and then Tech has to play again, and it's ten forty it, at night. Yeah, it started ten forty. And and I will point out this is not a typical May day. It was roasting out there, so that saps even more energy out of you, and. So then it got interesting. Uh, one of the things I'll talk about in my article is all the decisions Pete DeMore made over the weekend that were um, from us outsiders looking in. You're like, why are you doing that? You know, that's risky. And I assume you're talking a lot about pitching. Uh, mostly pitching. Yeah. Yes. Because I, I assume you're going to get it. Was pitching. Because I, I assume you're going to get into Miami. <laughs> right. So Miami they go to game. play Miami and he starts Ivy Rosenberg. In, yeah. Yeah. And, um, she wound up pitching a couple innings, giving up a total of four runs. There were four runs attributed to her. Yeah. Brings in Mackenzie Osborne to take care of that. And then you bring in Keeley in the fourth inning. And um, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence of things. Let's cut to the chase. Tech got down four to one, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it got a little shaky. And uh, then they got a two run homer from Jamie Bailey. And so in studying the weekend, uh, everybody remembers Mackenzie Lauder's two home runs, a two-run homer and a three-run homer, both of them game winners yeah. against Miami of Ohio and Kentucky. And then Jamie had a two-home run, a two two-run homer against Miami that took it from four-one to four-three. Yeah, yeah. And then when Lauder Tech got down, up. 
two, yeah, and Lauder had the game winner later. Then when Tech got down two nothing against Kentucky in the championship game, it was Jamie that had the two run. You are talking about in terms of batting average, two of the in air quotes worst hitters on the team. Their batting averages are something like two seventy one and two fifty two yeah. going into the weekend, and they came through big time. They did, and by the way, Chris Coleman knows. Well, Atlanta Braves, they've got a two seventy average. You'll take that, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Still, I mean, it's different for baseball. Yeah. A little still, bit different. Still yeah. a really good average, and 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 those are two really really marquee players on this team. But yeah, yeah I, I think that that is one player that might get forgotten about a little bit. I'm I'm glad you brought it up as Jamie Bailey, hey, Jamie, yeah. because when you're down four one. I mean, Miami, Ohio, I mean, that's, you know, Corinne Kumar, the head coach, a former Pete DeMore assistant at Virginia Tech, right? Somebody who knows Keeley, Mac, this team backwards and forward, playing with the lead. Their fans were into I me. Mean, all the momentum yeah. was on that side. Bailey was the one who kind of breathed new life into the game, I thought. I thought and, you, so. and you get down the run. Uh, so, again, for her to hit that two-run homer, and then in the championship game, which I don't want to get too far ahead, but you go down 2 nothing. And then Bailey comes right back, ties the game at two. That was a huge kind of a, and a boxing match punch thrown to go back on the offense, it felt like. And I think one of the plays, her, I think she, it's tough because I don't think anybody's going to be able to tough Emma, top Emma Ritter's defensive play. Yeah. But Jamie Bailey might have had the second best defensive yeah. play of the weekend. Seventh inning, game seven against Kentucky. Ball goes to her. And she fields it, and then has to dive and touch the bag. And now, got I don't the think out. that was the seventh was inning, it, though. That was I, think like, it was a little bit I think it was fifth or sixth, sorry. But, but still, it was but, a big But that play. was, I, I believe that, that was a fifth inning, mm-hmm. if I think about I it. Think first, it first out of the fifth inning, and I think that might have been Kowali. It was the top of the order, right. and, and she, I mean... She just jumps and tags the bag, and it's kind of like, oh, my God, did she have, get Have you watched that? the video of that? No, I have She not. gets up pretty gingerly. She laid mm-hmm. out and landed yeah. flat. But, I mean, but those are the plays you have to win. So she, she did it on the offensive end twice, and then, you know, she made yeah. a couple really important defensive plays, too. Yeah. So real, real quick, going back to Miami, which I'm sure wrapping up that game real yeah. quick, though. You ever been somewhere before and uh, – you just haven't. You're just lost in the moment, right? And it's a, it's a, maybe it's a sporting event, maybe it's something else. And you look at your watch or your phone, and you go, "Oh my god, it's twelve thirty in the morning." Or <laughs> the t- the day has gotten way Generally away you're from in the you. Bar when you. When you <laughs> <laughs> but but serious. I mean, that game ended at one oh four. There were over a thousand fans there till the end. And the reason I bring that up is like you get done with the game at one a.m. And and just even I feel like for everybody in the stands, the adrenaline was pumping so yeah. much. Like it was. Let, let's play another one. Where obviously, the team knew they needed to go get some rest. <laughs> yeah. And I think Pete Demore had the shortest press conference in the history of press conferences after that one. But um, so so yeah. they got to do post game media. Yeah. Apparently, he literally said like, "Let's go play tomorrow," and that was it. Yeah. And and, and, and that's fine. You know, at, at one thirty, yeah, I'm mm. giving him a hard time. But no, no, no I mean, but, I, I mean, you know, but like that's how late. It, I mean, and Evan and I were sitting next to each other. That was the one game that you did not go to. Right. But we're, we're sitting there, and, and I, I think for a little bit, Evan and I were kind of looking at each other going, like, text down. You know, and then Jamie Bailey comes up and begins, all right, things are starting to go. And then McKen- Mackenzie Lauder goes yard, and it was just like, all right, oh. te- all right, text yeah. got it. Because then, then, then that was when Mackenzie Osborne had just come in the half inning before, and then they put Keeley in, yeah. and then they cruised for the McKenzie rest of the game. Mackenzie Osborne threw nine pitches and is the winning pitcher of record for that game. She yeah. got yeah. the win. And, and I want to point out, too, that I think Coach – talked to chip afterwards for you guys yeah and he said that 
having Ivy and Mac pitch half of that game was very important for the rest of Emma and Keeley for at least a half game for Sunday's doubleheader. Yeah, yeah. I said Pete made a lot of what looked like risky decisions, but in retrospect, he looks like the puppet master, just perfectly, you know, playing things out. Yeah, they. Uh, so Ivy threw forty three pitches, and Oz, uh, Mackenzie Osborne threw nine, and Keeley threw how many? Forty. She threw fifty four that day. Okay, but but you have to think, you know, that is that's what uh, fifty four pitches. So they both threw fifty four pitches. That's fifty four pitches that. Emma, Lemley, and Keely Rochard did not have to throw. Yes. That's important. <clears throat> so, game's over at 105. They do a real quick media. Then they got to travel to the hotel room. Then they got to shower. I hope they showered and go to bed. <laughs> yeah, so, it's they're in bed. I think I asked Chip, and Chip said they were in bed at like 2.30. Not that he's there tucking them in. He asked the next day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Chip's got a great relationship with the team, but, you know. So, it's, he, they go to bed at like 2.30 and uh, talked to Chip this morning and and uh, Coach Demore gave them the option to sleep in because um, the the game the next day was scheduled for noon. noon. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. So he gave them the option to sleep in, and the team told him, "No, let's <coughs> let's get up and go at the regular time and get fielding practice and, and BP." And and I went to bed uh, Saturday night, not feeling optimistic. But then I woke up Sunday. I'm 57, and I'm like, you know what? I feel pretty good today. These are young kids. They're like 18 to 22 years yeah. old. They can do this, you know, particularly with the pitching they've got. So I, I, kind of, I had the same thought. I mean, I really did. I mean, when this team lost to Kentucky, you, so they're so good that you knew that they could win three in a row. And I, I kept saying it. I'm not – this is not like I'm the first person who invented this saying, but as those of you watching and listening probably know, it's no different. And I'll go back to Chris and his Braves. I don't remember what the World Series was last year. But when you're up, let's just say 3-2 in a series, CC. Mm-hmm. And you win that when you're trailing three two, and you win that game. Who's the pressure on the next game? Oh, it's it's all on them, on the other team, on the other, on the other team. team. And so you just got that feeling. If Tech can get that one against Kentucky, then you're the home team again. You're in your home dugout. You've got the fans. You've got the momentum. Yeah. And they took care of business in a big way in that game one and it just set up for what was a thrilling, thrilling final game. But that was the only game in the whole weekend that I would say was really easy. Like yeah. even, even the St. Francis game, I know it was a no-hitter, but Tech didn't score those last two or three runs until late, yeah. later in the game. And it was great to see the bats, I mean, the home runs. I thought Tech was hitting the ball really hard. And, and I think another thing from that first game, Will, is that, and I know that Kentucky pitches by committee, but they decided, I, I think they used, what, David, what, six pitchers in that first game? They five. Used five pitchers and threw 148 pitches total. Mm, okay. So, well, I think one thing that was important for Tech is they saw all five of the arms in game one, right? Because we're sitting out there in the outfield going, oh, she throws a lot of change-ups, you know, yeah. watching the different pitchers and how they pitch and, and getting used to their motion because they all have different pre-pitch things that they go through, you know, and you're right. If you can kind of see all of them for a few pitches. Well, and imagine if you only saw three, right? And then yeah. Kentucky brings in two in that second game, and there's that adjustment period where you're, as a hitter, you're seeing that arm for the first time through. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was an underrated part is that when you see all the arms that you could possibly see, no different than Kentucky yeah. seeing Lemley and Rochard earlier yeah. in the weekend, but at that point you're a hitter, you know exactly how to approach this pitcher going into a winner-take-all game. Yeah, the girl that Kentucky threw last 
uh, on Sunday, the seventh game, she threw two innings. It was Miranda Stoddard. She was the only one that had not pitched for against Tech that weekend. But I believe wow. she had pitched, I think she pitched against Tech early in the season. So to your point, you know, Tech had already played him in February. But Tech, the comfortable, like the comfortable, you know, the level of comfortability, you know, they were, Virginia Tech's like, okay, we've seen all these pitchers. And it wasn't like Kentucky's just like, okay, let's change pitchers because we want to. It's like Virginia Tech's putting pressure on them yeah. to, to make them change pitchers. And we had talked about it all weekend long. Where's run support going to come from? Yeah. When is it going to come? And I, we were like, we need to, you know, you need the top of the order to get some hits. Well, Cameron Fagan goes through for five. Or Emma Ritter goes through for five. Cameron Fagan has a, you know, three run home run. Tech one nine two. And and I think that that was like you mentioned, that was the turning point where it was like, all right, Tech has all the momentum. You know, Tech finally got some run support. And now it's like you go into game seven where you just beat them by seven runs, and you're feeling really good. The offense is clicking, and you got two pitchers. That you can choose from. Yeah. And so then is the debate. Um, and, and you guys started talking about this late in the first game on Sunday. Do you pitch Emma Limley in the second game? Because she was doing really well. And, and I told you guys you were crazy. I'm like, I get the logic of what you're saying, but it's Keely Rochard. You know, she's one of the better pitchers in tech history. It's potentially her last game in Blacksburg. Right. You have to pitch her. And Pete DeMoor did not. He starts Lemley in the second game. And she gives up two home runs in the first nine pitches. And suddenly, I bet your phone's got pretty busy, too. My, my phone was very busy after those nine yeah. pitches. So what was going through your mind at that point? Well, I, I think, too, and again, that goes back to Jamie Bailey, how big that <clears> two-run <throat> homer was, bottom one, to offset the momentum. Because to give Emma Lemley credit, she settled down. I think she struck out to end that top of the first. Like you could tell yeah. after she gave those two home runs, like just the the calm nature. Like she settled down pretty quickly. But I, I mean, listen, Keely Rochard's going to be a Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Famer one day. Right. She's one of the best pitchers in the last five six years of college softball. But I think again, I go back to something that the coach Coach Lawson of Kentucky said they had been preparing for weeks for Virginia Tech, and I'm I'm willing to say they were probably preparing more for Rochard and the fact that they had seen her more, right? And that is Tex Ace. And I think when you look at I don't I don't know if you have the stats in front of you, David, but in that in that Saturday game, Lemley, we said she gave up what? Two runs in yeah. almost a complete game against Kentucky, right? Yeah. And then um in game one, she was fantastic. Especially considering the fact that it was going to be a 30 minute wait from game one to game two. You take Lemley into the indoor practice facility, you let her keep throwing a little bit, and then you bring her right out there. And it wound up being an hour and a half, actually. And that's know, why, too, I mean, the, 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 the confidence in, I mean, Lemley and Rochard are similar pitchers, right? They both have tremendous rise balls. I think that Keeley has a little bit more spin. On her rise ball, and, and Emma throws a little bit harder, but they're both fantastic options. And I think Coach Demore's thought process was let's let's ride the hot hand here. Let's see how far that it can go. And then immediately, when you need to, you bring in your ace to try and go get you a win and take you to supers. Yeah, yeah. it's not only that, but it could be a matchup issue. You know, um, it could be that number one, like you said, maybe they were preparing more for Keeley and. The thing that struck me about Kentucky seeing their their top four batters, it, it's a murderer's row. They're all oh my gosh, they're all hitting close to four hundred or more. 
15, 20 home runs, you know, this, if you can get through the top four batters, you're doing well. But, you know, Pete may have just felt like uh, Emma was a better matchup for Kentucky. Guys, you go, I looked at the stats before in, in prepping for this, and I got it written down here somewhere. Um, opponents' batting averages against Emma and Keeley are almost the same now. Mm-hmm. I think one of them's .171 and one of them's .176. Um, you know, they're closer as pitchers statistically. Right. Not experience-wise or in the number of pitches and the off-speed and that kind of thing. They're getting closer and closer. And, and you know, that's great for Pete DeMore. Yeah, well, so so I just did a quick little math on, on Emma's stats. From the first two Kentucky games, she threw 139 strikes in 192 pitches. Mm. That's 72%. So 72% of her pitches were strikes. And, yes, she gave up seven hits in the first game and eight hits in the second game, but she only gave up four runs. Right. So, like, she was, yes, okay, giving up some hits, but Tech's defense was doing its job. And so you can either, you know, throw out a fresh Keely Rochard, or you can throw the pitch, you know, yes, she's thrown, you know, she threw 94 pitches the game before, but she only given up two runs. And I, I think, you know, I think in the end it was the right move because they brought Keely in. I don't want to say Pete did because Pete wasn't on the field for it. Pete but, wasn't there. But, but we'll get to brought, that in a minute. But they brought Keely in, you know, they brought Keely in, in the right time, but they let Emma continue to grind the batters down and you know, outside of that, Kentucky didn't really do much after the first yeah. inning. You know, Kowalik, an All-American. Emma, Evan mentioned that uh, I believe she's on the Olympic U.S. Olympic team. She homers on the third pitch of the game. Then Emma gets a fly out, and then a homer to center on the f- four pitches for on the uh, ninth pitch of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she got a pop up and a strikeout. And then it's okay. Well, what are you going to do? Or, or, you know, are you going to pull her? They didn't because Jamie, you know, Emma Ritter singles and then Jamie Bailey homers. And now it's a tie ball game again. Right. And so, okay, level playing field, Here let her go. keep going. But, but even more to that too, right? I mean, the fact that after she gave up those two home runs, he could have pulled her right there, right, and gone right to Keeley. And the confidence from not only Coach DeMore, but I think the best pitching coach in the country, favorite stat, Doug Gillis has coached four Conference pitchers of the years and four of the five Power Five conferences. The dude just knows yeah. pitching. He's phenomenal. The confidence to stick with that game plan yeah. and to let Emma finish out the first like she did. I think she got a strikeout to end that top of the first. The confidence in her. And I thought it was, we'll get to it a little bit later. I mean, the perfect time when Doug took her out, Coach Gillis. I thought it was the perfect time. And I know the other thing, too, is that Hokie fans are probably thinking, well, this is what happened yesterday. You started Lemley, Keeley came in, and they hit her. The confidence from Coach DeMore and Coach Gills as well to say, listen, that happened. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. We've got that much confidence and our All-American, our two-time ACC Pitcher of the Year, that if she comes in again, she's going to she's gonna close the door. And that she did. Yeah, so uh, so she, he starts Lemley, and your question in your mind is how quick is he going to pull her? And clearly it's not quick because, number one, she gave up two home runs and he left her in. Number two, he got ejected defending her in the second inning. And that tells you he's committed. You know, that's who he's going with. And uh, I don't think ejections are accidental. I don't think he lost his mind. I have you know? a funny ejection story. <laughs> yeah. So a buddy of mine, I've seen him in a long time, but he was uh, he was an umpire. 
And he was friends with an umpire from Chuck Hartman's last game at Virginia Tech. And I went to this game. Last game, wow. Yeah, and uh, a Tech player slid into third base at one point and he got called out. I thought he was safe, too. And, and Hartman went out to argue and uh, actually tried to get ejected from his last game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the umpire, and this is the story I heard from my umpire buddy, the umpire looked at Hartman and said, Coach, I'm not going to eject you in your last game, so you might as well go on back to the dugout. <laughs> and just like that, he turned around and went back to the dugout. That's funny. <laughs> I'm not going to be well, that so I was talking. We were talking about it last night, and Evan, um, who knows more of the softball rules than I do, reminder, this is an eight, former 8U uh, oh God, softball stop. Stop. assistant or, sorry, head coach legend in Evan Hughes, all-star <laughs> coach, um, mind you. But Evan mentioned to me that it, it's different from baseball where in softball, like it's, I guess, like respectful if you go talk to the, the home plate umpire instead of like, go, you know, in baseball, you can go talk to the third base umpire, you know, if that's by your dugout. Pete stormed out to second base. Well, he comes out of the dugout and starts walking towards the second base umpire. You can see the third base umpire try. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 here come the first base and third base umpire. <laughs> and, you know. so, so, and listen, I think I think Chip probably, by the way, who does a terrific job. Um, love Chip Crub. Just shout out Chip. I know he's probably watching this. He probably – I'm excited to talk to Coach tomorrow for, for my podcast, but – I think he he went out there not to argue if it was a legal pitch or not. And if you go back and watch the broadcast, the pitch that was called illegal actually was sure, illegal. Of yeah. course. But and this is not a written rule like where it says that that umpire cannot do it, but that second base umpire was the third base umpire game 1 of the game against Kentucky. She called two illegal pitches. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the umpire that has the best look is the third base umpire. Now, the first does too, but the first base umpire is also concerned about check swings on a right-handed batter and also concerned, obviously, about plays at first. So typically, you see illegal pitches called from the third base umpire. And the foot that comes up is closer, assuming it's a right-handed. Yeah. Like yeah. Emma is, yep. And so I think that, remember, it got called first, and then you could see... Coach Demore and Coach Gillis out of the dugout. And I think I said the only time you see Coach Gillis out of the dugout is if typically in this situation. And then there's another pitch thrown and then it's called illegal. So my not knowing this for sure, but I think that he was going out there because in his opinion, he does not think it is the second base umpire who has the worst positioning on the field cannot see the follow follow through in the pitching lane to call illegal pitches. I think what he's saying is if the third base umpire is not calling it, how do you have a better look that you can call it? I think that is basically what that's my, my opinion of why I think he was upset. Yeah. And she didn't call him one the rest of the game. See, that's all fine and dandy, but I can read lips and the words out of his (laughs) mouth were that's BS. And you know, it, that was the first thing Pete said when he got out there. Uh, Sorry. Well, but, but, but I think as a whole, that was kind of a turning point in the game. Yes. Oh, it absolutely was. Like, because, because this is a, a, and, and I like, you know, for those of you who have not read Chip Grubb's uh, recap, Please go read it. I encourage you to do so. He's got a lot of really good quotes in there. But he talked to a lot of the the girls after the game just about what that moment was like. And they were like, you know, Pete has our back every single time. And we know that. 
And they said, I've, we never see Coach fired up. And what did he do? He walked back to the dugout after getting tossed and then going back and talking to the second base umpire. He walked to the dugout, and before he did, he threw his hands up in the air and got the crowd fired up. Yeah. And the crowd was ruckus for the rest of the game. Oh, it got the crowd so, so fired up. And then up. he goes over to Lane Stadium and starts live tweeting during the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really cool. And I think I, I don't know if uh, Mike Barber had it, but the uh, was it Bobby Valentine? Oh yeah, it was, yeah. It was Andy Bitter. Andy Bitter. That was great. I mean, it was. But again, I think it was him. And listen, we we could spend a whole podcast. Up. I mean, by the letter of the law, we, we could go all the way down. But I, I think it would have been different had it been the third base umpire constantly calling. And again, I'm I'm not an expert, but that is that's why I if that was the remember they got called twice in the first game. And there were zero arguments, right? Right. You never came out and saw an appeal. It was only when the this, umpire went yeah. to second that you started to to see him get upset. Yeah. And oh, by the way, there were no more illegal pitches called the rest of the game. You know, <laughs> and Emma was in there in there a long time after that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, what I want to so the so from that point on, you know, I guess it was two to two at that point, and uh, you know, from that point on. Um, you know, eventually what has to happen is that players got to make plays. Yeah. You know, and and I thought I thought probably the, the best tweet of the weekend that really summed things up was Hokie Sports put out a tweet showing, let me see if I can remember all of it. There were there were four critical plays in that game. Uh, Emma Ritter mm. um, robbing the home run. Uh, Mackenzie Lauder hitting what wound up to be the game-winning home run. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Bailey's diving put out at first. And uh, – I think it was Kelsey Bennett's final put out. Yeah, it was a tough play. With a runner at, at running shortstop. right in front of her. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, what's not included in that montage of plays is Bree Peck diving and stopping a grounder right before the last out. Yep. Now, she was not able to make the throw on target and get the last out, but, you know, that that's that's a double, maybe even a triple. Well, you got a, you've got the tying run at first there. That gets by you. You don't know yeah. how that ball bounces, how how aggressive that third base coach going to be, you know. Yeah, you know, so it just comes down to players making plays, and uh, you know, to for me to wrap it up, uh, you know, we we enjoy watching that stuff as observers and fans, but you know, it, it's all about the players at their age. They're here such a short time, you know, and and for them to be able to make the plays and win a championship, this is this is stuff they can take with them the rest of their lives. Yeah. And one of the things I one of the things I put in Monday thoughts today is, did you guys see um, Lonnie Alameda is at the Florida State coach? They I saw on the ACC ACC network Lonnie Alameda talking in the post game. They'd been eliminated. They were the number two national seed, and they got eliminated. And Lonnie's sitting there, and she's saying her thing, and, and she's saying all the right stuff because she's been there before. And the two players to the left and right of her were just shell shocked. They yeah. were just staring, and you don't want young people to have that look on their face. You know, you want them to be happy. And then, and that's what Virginia Tech's got is a group that's had a great season, and now it gets to continue. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it, 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 it all came together in that fifth inning. Yeah. You know, because Tech went down 3-2. Um, Kentucky scored a run. And I think this was the point where I turned to you and said, you know, we Tech hasn't really strung any hits together. And, yeah. and, and, and it then, also got really quiet in TSP. Yeah. Well, for, for about three years. The food trucks turned turned the turned generators, the generators off. off and then it got really quiet. So but but to lead off that inning, Darby Jewel singles up the middle. Allie Repco pinch hitting for Kelsey Bennett, singled through the left side. 
advancing Darby to now, second. Now, let me jump in here a second. Um, Allie, at that point, she had struck out in the first game. Uh, she'd gotten two balls, three straight strikes, and had started that at bat with two strikes. Yeah. And she, she's not having a great day at that point. So yeah. she gets a couple balls and gets a hit. So got two balls, yeah, and a hit. And then, uh, um, you know, and then Kentucky switched pitchers. And then literally as soon as Kentucky switched pitchers on the fifth pitch, you got two on, Mackenzie Lauder smacks it to left field. And at that point, you know, Techery takes the lead 5-3 and then never trailed again. And, and then you have the defensive plays from Emma Ritter, sports in our top 10 play. Yeah. Um, you know, but, Jamie, but, but, but again, yeah, I mean, Jamie Bailey making plays, Brie Peck making plays, but in the end, you know, it all came together when they needed it to. And this was kind of the thing. I think we were all saying at the beginning of the weekend, you know, tech lost to Kentucky on Saturday, but was right there. Yeah. And, you know, like just needed to make some plays yeah. and they made the plays on the, in Sunday's game and showed that they were the better team and won. and, Kudos to them, and to be able to see those scenes at the end of the game, it was a very nervous seventh bottom of the yes, top, it was. top of the seventh inning. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just awesome scenes at Tech Softball. Awesome Park. scene, yeah. And I think one thing too, and I'm excited to ask Coach about this tomorrow when I talk to him. Um, how about a, how about a credit to Mike Lewis and Doug Gillis and the rest of that staff? You know, your head coach. Exits in the second inning. And this is a regional championship, right? Yeah. Your season's on the line. And I go back to when Mac hit that home run. And you've got runners at first and second and nobody else. And that's the tying run uh, on second. And how about the decision from, from Coach Lewis? You could have maybe sack bunted there and then move the tying run to yeah, third. We, we were arguing that in the stands. Should you bunt? Evan Hughes yeah, well, might have I, suggested it. Well, no, I was, I was just saying it was a possibility. Yeah, he said it was an option. And then and the, the, the confidence and the faith, again, that that I thought the staff yeah. down the stretch was phenomenal. And it, I think it just goes to show the staff that Coach DeMore has built. I mean, they, they deserve a huge credit, I think, for the job they did coaching that well, game. Honestly, except for the live tweets, you couldn't tell that Coach had been kicked out of the game. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we're, we're, in the, we're out in the stands out in left field, and that ball was hit pretty much straight at us. Yeah. yeah. So my, my recollection of that was it starts coming at us, and it looks like it's got home run power, but you're not sure. And, uh, you know, our, our arch enemy, Lauren Johnson, is coming back <laughs> trying to make the, the – we're, we're joking about the left fielder for, for yeah. Kentucky. We learned her name. And um, she's coming back to make the play. A guy stands up in front of me, and I can't see. I'm not mm. sure if that ball is going to clear the fence. And then I hear thump of it hitting the metal bleachers, and I'm like, yes, home run. Yeah. yeah. And, and I will say, too, I mean, how about Mackenzie Lauder, the go-ahead home run Saturday, and the go-ahead home run of the championship. I, I think that – Mac does not get enough credit, I think, for being one of the best catchers in the country. Yeah. Walk off against UVA this year, too, to That's win that right. series. So That's she doesn't, doesn't right. hit for a high average, she, but very clutch hitter. Southside Virginia, Halifax County. Halifax. Yeah. She, 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 continues to, she continues to hit well. Same thing, you mentioned Jamie Bailey. You know, like, Mackenzie Lauder is not... Like, if you could go down the list of Virginia Tech hitters and, like, play some... You know, if you made a, a nine-player lineup... Just based off batting average, I don't know if she'd be in there. But yeah. but she has now consistently yeah. given made plays both defensively. Remember, she's calling her own game defensively yeah. I was too. About to bring that up. She's calling yeah. her own game, and she's you know hit two two run bombs or I guess a three run bomb in that case. You know to win tech the game. I mean, 
those are the plays you need. And for for me, Evan and I were talking about this last night. I think she's the player of the tournament. Like for me, well, yeah, you know, yeah. and it, if it's not her, it might have been Jamie, Jamie Bailey, Bailey. Yeah, you know, sure. And sure. I, I just can't. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say it is so rare to have a catcher call yes his or her own game, baseball or softball. You don't see that often. I mean, in baseball, you've got the earpiece, Chris. You know, and the the pitching coach can relay over the signs that they mm-hmm. want or the call. But the faith again, they go back to early high school playing for the Stars Travel Organization. Yeah. Virginia Tech, the faith that Coach Gillis, who as we just talked about his credentials, an unbelievable pitching coach in Demore, to put that faith in Mackenzie Lauder. I just, I, I think they talked about it a lot this weekend. I think people not know that, but that is just, you just don't see that. That's incredibly well, impressive. Well, watch a college baseball game or a college softball game. Between every pitch, the pitcher looks at the wristband right. to yeah. get the. And that's just, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I know that's how everybody does it, but it goes back to when I was a kid and NFL quarterbacks called their own plays. You yeah. Know? And then after Great a while, point. no, they did not. So. And, yeah. I mean, it's, um, I just lost my train of thought for a second, but oh, uh, even even just not with Keeley, they let her call when with, Emma with is in the circle or yeah. Ivy. I mean, she just knows the game just as well as any. I mean, yeah. I think it's important. We talk about like the point guard needs to be the extension of the coach on the floor, right? Yeah. Or the quarterback. I think your catcher, you can make the argument, needs to be the extension of the coaching staff on a softball or baseball field. And and both teams, Kate Hunter and Mackenzie Lauder, you've certainly got that. Yeah, and they're they're really gonna miss Lauder next year. And you know, we know that. And so if if there's something mysterious about next year and you just can't figure out I mean, I hope they have a good year next year, but if something's not quite right, that's gonna be part of it. So um excellent weekend, guys. I don't know if there's anything else we can add to that. Well, but was, we do go ahead, David. I was gonna say talk about the upcoming regional because now regional, yeah. Virginia Tech gets to host a super regional. First yeah. ever Blacksburg Super Regional. Tickets have already sold out from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um and I I'm thinking about doing a podcast Wednesday and having Chip on to preview it. This is gonna be a lot easier than previewing the regional because he's only got to study one team. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, no doubt uh uh Florida's gonna be a formidable or formidable however you prefer to uh, pronounce it opponent but i but i think we'll get to that later on this week and uh just just very cool and and this is an accomplishment baseball's hosted a regional softball's won a regional but softball's the first one to host and win yeah. so great stuff yeah, yeah it's gonna be a great crowd on hand there's no i mean and i'll just close with this i mean uh on the softball side what what a unique think about unique tech sporting events yeah and to have outfield bleachers, 2,000 fans, but it felt like a lot more than that. Yeah. I'm out, I, that, to me, was one of the more unique tech sporting events that I can remember attending. You just could, because everybody that was there was totally invested, yeah. totally bought in. The sun could not keep people away. The rain, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I mean, just, um, I mean, the fans were off the charts and... Uh, I'm sure that that, and I think the the Kentucky coach said it felt like a super regional. It really did. Let's also not forget the Kentucky, and we had this conversation. It's really based off location, right? Who's in your regional? It's yeah. not. This is the X number, a part of the two seed. I mean, I think coach said it. That's got to be one of the best two seeds that was put in the number three overall region. Right. So to beat that Kentucky team, I mean that that's a big time, big time win against a really good SEC team. I mean, if Kentucky were to play Florida in this week's Super, 
I mean, who yeah, knows who would win that? Yeah, I mean, Kentucky yeah. could do it. So, um, just the, I thought the competition was really good, top to bottom. That's what you'd expect in a regional. She, she got off a good line. She said it felt like a super regional with a few games against other teams thrown in for fun. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Rachel Lawson, her, her comments were very gracious. So, uh, that said, let's take a break. And uh, I think we're going to shift people around and uh, – um, Actually, I think we can stay the way we are. Chris will definitely be talking more next time because when we get back, we're going to talk tech baseball. And so uh, we'll see you in a few minutes. All right, bathroom break taken, uh, Diet Mountain Dew retrieved, and we're all good to go. Second half of the show, we're going to talk about Virginia Tech baseball. Um, you know, incredible accomplishments by them this weekend somewhat overshadowed by by what the softball team did but let's get into baseball and uh so i, I we're going to get into the postseason awards here more towards the end just some well-deserved awards going out to tech uh, coaches and players yeah. uh let's begin with the big news they clinched the number one seed in the acc championship do you call it a tournament or a championship i call it the championship yeah the, they'll call it the tournament i mean and the acc does formally formally recognize the tournament as its champion and then the atlantic and the coastal but to me i mean it's it's an acc championship too i mm-hmm. mean to go wire to wire the acc has been the best conference in college baseball this year yeah. d1 baseball has 11 teams projected of the 14 to make a regional in the sec nine and so for this tech team to go to win nine straight ACC series, it has been unbelievable to watch, and I just cannot emphasize how hard and CC you know this to win nine straight in this conference. It's unheard of. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's it's certainly the best tech baseball team I've ever seen, and it was you know I think about halfway through the season we started we were talking about do you give the nod to this year's team or the 2013 team, and at the time I gave the nod to the 2013 team because they had more pitching depth. You know, they had four starters that went on to play professional baseball. Like one of their guys was a senior who couldn't even make weekend starts because the other three guys were so good. I think, and I think he still made it to double a, okay. right? So that, that was a loaded staff, but this team hits it so well that it's a hundred homers for the first time since 1988. And will, you could probably answer this question, uh, the, you know, the stadium back then, you can't even call it a stadium. It was the baseball field. Right. It was where the football practice field are, right. was. So so people would hit them off, off the, the wall. Uh, of the Jamerson Jamerson Athletics. That tells me that was a short porch in left field. Well, Trey McCoy could hit the ball pretty hard. So, you know, it's, right. it was probably short. But, yeah. Yeah, but yes. to Chris's point, it's it's been a really impressive year. Yeah. And, you know, I think irony how it plays out, you know, like – Virginia, I think I saw, I think Chad Willis tweeted, Virginia Tech men's basketball started 0-4 mm-hmm. and then won, you know, won the AC tournament. Virginia Tech baseball starts 0-4 in the conference. They got, you know, swept. And you were there, and yeah. it was at Georgia Tech, and it was extra innings, well, 14 innings or 12 innings. So we, they played two games on Sunday in Atlanta. It was a doubleheader and Two nine-inning games, 40 minutes in between, and the second game was 14 innings. Yeah. They started, I want to say, at 1 o'clock, and we didn't get done playing till 10.30. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and, so it, and then Tech, well, as I was going to say, Tech lost that and then lost the first, first game in that pit series. And then won every single series between that, which was early March, yeah. late February, until this weekend when they swept Duke. And it's not like they've been doing against Joe Schmo. You know, six of them have been ranked. So halfway through the season, 
I, I think we were all in agreement that, yeah, our baseball team is good, but our softball team is elite. Our baseball team might actually be better than our softball team. You're splitting hairs. They're ranked, se- they're ranked second in the country. This morning, number two in the country. And the yeah. ACC is loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think even to David's point a little bit more. Again, so early March, got off to a good start non-conference. You're swept in Atlanta. You had a lead going bottom nine the series opener, lost. You had a lead going bottom 14, lost. Then you had to bust back Monday from Atlanta because they got done playing so late they don't want to bust all the way back to the middle of the night. Then you got to get on the bus Tuesday morning, go to JMU. You lose at JMU. Wow. And then that Friday, they lose to Pittsburgh. So they're 0-4 in the conference. But let's go back to last year, this team that led the Coastal, right, in early April. And then some of the youth and inexperience showed. You in- lose Injuries also, right? Inj- absolutely. That was a huge thing. You lose your Friday, your Saturday, your Sunday starter, and your number one reliever in Shane Connolly to the draft. And your first baseman. And your first baseman. You've got a, a new third baseman coming. I mean, you're moving cross from right to center. Hunter was hurt the majority. I mean, so many things. And for this team to be ACC champs in the regular season with three new starters, with a bullpen that has been, I think, a sub-3-5 ERA since they went on this run in mid-March to the hitting. I mean, I, it is a – I mean, Coach Chef – I think people see the record and they think coach of the year because of the record. I think he deserves coach of the year too because of the development. And that's mm. Ryan Fecto, that's Kurt Elbin, that's Tyler Hansen. Uh, I mean, the entire staff has de- I mean, Griffin Green was a midweek guy last year as a freshman out of the bullpen. He's your Friday starter. He won seven games as a sub three ERA. Hey, Drew, Hackenberg Drew Hackenberg as a true, true freshman. freshman. Now, <laughs> He's not a true freshman. Let's just call it. I mean, listen, his family, I mean, the dude is like as cool as they go. And he is, I mean, he's, he might as well be 23 the way he's pitching. And then the development of Jordan Bieber. He won 10 games too. He won 10 games. And he had the best ERA of any starter in the ACC. He did not win pitcher of the year. He did not win freshman of the year. I think he was incredibly deserving of both. Um, the guy who had more guy from Wake Forest had more strikeouts, same record, a little bit higher ERA. They gave it to him for pitcher of the year, and then freshman of the year they gave it to Tommy Tommy White, Tommy Tanks is the you remember the nickname from early in the year. But again, to wrap to wrap this all up, the job this this staff has done, yeah. it's just it's it's remarkable. And I think the one thing we've learned about this team, yes, they're number two now, but they can compete with any team in the country. At number 11, Virginia, two of three. Home against number two, Miami. Home against number 21, North Carolina State. At North Carolina. I asked Coach during our uh, postgame show on Saturday. He came up in enjoyment. I said, when did you know this team was going to be special? And he sat there and he thought about it. And he said, honestly, it was the final four weekend for basketball. We were playing at North Carolina. And that's a place that is extremely hard to win. And they took two of three from North Carolina, and they took Friday and Saturday in convincing fashion. I remember that we had back-to-back home runs. The Hokies, uh, Schobel and Cross, back-to-back two separate times mm-hmm. in the same game. I mean, North Carolina is as good as it gets, and you're able to go in there and take two of three and hit the ball. I mean, that's the thing. This team, yeah, I think everyone saw how good they were in the non-conference, but, oh, it's Wright State or, oh, it's Fordham. 
They did it against Virginia. They did it against Miami. They scored 21 runs against North Carolina State. It was a game away from the College well, World Series championship. Well, they championship. were actually better against ACC teams than they were. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's, and it, it's almost like the, they got bored with the non-conference teams. <laughs> it's, and it's top to bottom, Will. I mean, it yeah. really – I mean, how about – I mean, Carson Jones, your ACC player of the week. The kid just hit five homers in his last four games. He made his second start of the season last Tuesday. Phenomenal. He's, uh, he, he had, I think, played in one game in the month of April. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he didn't. And it was his first start since the uh, Georgia Tech weekend. How about Lucas Donlin? All right. Nico Lisa got a lot of starts at first base early in the year. And I, I haven't asked coach this, but I get the starting lineup at Fenway Park. And Lucas Donlin's getting the start at first. It was his fifth start of the year. And I want to say his starts had came had come earlier. And this was his first like big start of the year. Is he a freshman? He's a sophomore. True sophomore. sophomore. Okay. He hits in the eight hole. And he goes three for five and scores two runs in a 6-1 in, in game Fenway Park. in Fenway, Fenway Park. Park. Yeah. So, I mean, the development of this team, too, midseason, like the fact that this team had belief to bring in Carson Jones, look at what he's doing. Lucas Donlin, a month ago, he's your everyday first baseman. I mean, it's almost like you uh, – <laughs> I was joking with someone. It's almost like the um, – the waiver wire and the trade deadline. It's like you get two players in the middle of the season that have been impact players. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think when you look at a guy like Carson Jones, not that you feel great about losing Gavin Cross to the draft, but now you feel like, okay, Carson Jones, if he's got this kind of power, we're not going to lose there as much there as, as we thought we were because Cross is going to be a top 10, top 10, 15 pick. Absolutely. But now he seems – more replaceable than he did a week ago, yeah. I'll say. And, and, you know, Coach brought that up, too, during our, our postgame shows, that good teams, you're going to lose some players to the draft. That's just the way it works yeah. in college baseball. <laughs> but Chris is 100% right. Like, Carson Martini's a guy that can play shortstop. Uh, Warren Holzmer, the staff, is really high on. He has not played much this year behind Tanner Schobel, but they believe, I mean, uh, Christian <laughs> Martin going at second to. base. <laughs> As he said, you're not going Tanner to Schobel's going to be uh, taken in, what, the first five rounds? I, I think he's, he's, he's one of the top 150 prospects on MLB.com. Yeah. Tech has, what, four or five of those? Uh, Kate top, Hunter. I mean, Kate Hunter's a uh, – yeah. yeah, I, mean, I think all, they're actually like back-to-back in the 130s. Yeah, I, and, and, I, and I think, too, I think you can make the case that the MVP of this team – is Kate Hunter behind the plate. Because if you remember last year, it was well documented that it was at different portions of the year that you lost a starter due to injury. Maybe you lose Gerard, he comes back, then Simonelli got hurt. And you could not keep your rotation intact Friday through Sunday. But Kate Hunter got hurt early March and really didn't play the rest of the year. And Coach talked about he went to the Cape this summer and really struggled. And for this year, for him to come back and hit around 340 right now and to be second on the team in RBIs, but he's caught almost every game. And for him, and 2020, right, his season cut short. 2021, he missed almost all the injury. He is so valuable behind the plate. The fact that he can catch every pitcher on this team. And I always say, I think you've got to have the best, to be a catcher, you've got to have the best personality on the team because you're working with 10 to 15 different guys. you got to know hmm. what their go-to pitch is. How to, what are the right things to say when you go onto the mound and you try and calm them down when you need to? And uh, he won the Johnny Oates Memorial Award. Of course, Johnny Oates, one of the greatest hokey baseball players of all time, went on to be a great manager. And I just know that this staff speaks so highly of him. He has such a, while the pitching staff is now getting the credit that it deserves, the bullpen and the bats, but Cade Hunter behind the plate has been off the charts good this year for this team. It's funny because it's kind of the same thing we mentioned with softball, like Mackenzie Lauder, you know, like you got two fantastic catchers and Virginia Tech wouldn't be here without him. 
Is he is he the one they're talking about that batted like once in the one seventies last year? Or in- no, he 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 hit well last year, but he got hurt early. Right. Um, I'm trying to think who hit one seventy. Was it Jack Hurley? Um, oh, it might have been. No, Hurley was Hurley was really Hurley good. was good. He he has uh, Jack. One thing he's done to really improve his game is that he's cut down on his strikeouts a lot right. from last year. And coaches talked about how his approach has changed, how he's more comfortable uh, hitting with two strikes. Um, but I mean, no, for the most part, this team this year, I mean. The transfers. How about Eduardo Malinowski at second base? I mean, he's been a plug-and-play right away. He's been great at second base. I mean, Carson Martini, a true freshman, hitting three thirty-three. He's not a traditional nine-hole hitter. He's got a, a 13 homers and around 40 RBIs. And that's I mean, your nine-hole That's hitter. your nine-hole He's not going to be your nine-hole hitter next year. And so. then, and then uh, right now, I mean, the options Tech has, too, with Carson Jones playing well. That's an outfielder. Connor Hardigan, the JMU transfer, he's another outfielder. You've got five outfielders, but you can play Bittison at first base. You can put Jones in right. You can DH Hardigan. I mean, right now this team, kind of like Pete DeMore in softball, you've got a ton of options right now and how you can not only construct your lineup, but your defensive lineup as as yeah. well. So. Yeah. so it sounds like uh, like Chef's just hitting his stride here, you know, and and I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, the transfer portal is as much of a thing in some of the other sports as it is in uh, in football. Like I worry and, and basketball. I worry about uh, worry. Um, I just I think about um, you know Virginia Tech is is a good baseball program right now. It's a little bit difficult because they're a cold weather program. You get the fan support this time of year, but the place is not a whole lot of people in it earlier in the year. And there are some SEC schools and even some ACC schools that are really into baseball. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there might be some NIL stuff and transfer portal stuff that goes on. And and this is the stuff I think about because if, to, to, if you're Virginia Tech and you want to succeed, you got to develop players. Mm-hmm. And both softball and baseball are really developing players right now. Um, I, we can't sit here and pick apart any flaws with either one of these teams. We're really proud of what they've done. So you start looking around going, you know, how can this go south? You know, they got to keep the players here. Sorry, I don't want to be that downer guy because we're talking about, you know. I, I think the transfer portal has been more beneficial to Tech baseball than it's hurt it. Yeah. Yeah, no question. I mean, they, they've brought in some really good players and players, you know, that might not be elite stars, but they've gotten some more pitching depth this year yeah. But because of the transfer portal. Yeah. Go, not to cut you off, but real quick, I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, like Graham Fireved, who's mm-hmm. been electric out of the bullpen this year, with one of the best fastballs, Chris. I don't know if you know, it's got so much movement, his fastball. It's why he can throw it so much. He started his career at Radford, mm-hmm. Juco, then brought to Virginia Tech. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eduardo Malinowski. Jordan Gieber, mm-hmm. I think, is the name over the next month of this year that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. Starter at Mount St. Mary's. Chris Hirons just wrote a wonderful piece yep. for you guys last week detailing the the car accident that he was in and how they're starting to ramp him up more. When you get into these regionals, and even this weekend, Chris, when you go Thursday through Sunday, pitching is going to be uh, extremely he, important. He is the reason why I think Virginia Tech has a chance to win the national championship. Because they have uh, a third starter. A third starter. Yeah, yeah. And if you'd asked me a month ago, even less than a month ago, if Tech could win it, I said, I'd said i say no. You know, I, I think they can get to a super regional, maybe even – maybe even the College World Series, but once they go up against one of those teams that has three legitimate, you know, once once, you, once you're once you in an eight-team double elimination format, yeah. unless you have that third starter, it's going to be real, really difficult to, to win. And Tech didn't have a third starter at that point. Now they look like they do. So I think Tech, not going to say they're going to win the national championship because 
there's a lot of really good teams that could win it, but they've got just as good a chance as anybody else right now, yeah. because the, man, they they can they can crush the ball, man. Oh my gosh! Yeah. If if they were like a late '90s MLB team, I would be <laughs> like, that team's on steroids, man. <laughs> <laughs> crush it. Well, then, so then out of the bullpen, Firevet transfer Jonah Herney started his college career at a JUCO in Oregon, then came to Virginia Tech. Kiernan Higgins transfer, uh, who started his career at Coastal, then to Shippensburg, then to Virginia Tech. Gieber, transfer. Malinowski, transfer. Sean Fisher, transfer. I mean, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. but And then you combine that. Hardigan. Hardigan, transfer. <laughs> Thank you. Again, another guy in your lineup. Then you combine that. Think about the, the recruiting classes that Coach has brought in, right? Like His first class, the two big names, Carson Taylor, who was a fourth-round pick by the Dodgers in 2020, and Nick Bittison, who I think will forever be joined at the hip with Coach Shep as that first marquee recruit. That yeah. he got, he was initially committed to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Kurt Elbin was a previous assistant at VCU. When Coach Chef added him to his staff, he knew Nick, he knew his store, and he got him here. And he, I asked Coach about Mike Young's couture. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking <laughs> yeah. at it. Absolutely. And, and Coach even said on Senior Day, he walked that he thinks players will owe him a ton of gratitude down the road for kind of being that guy that could show. Jack Hurley, he recruited Gavin Cross, he recruited. So you combine that with the transfer and the eval- the ability to look at really good talent and see how they'd fit combined with great recruiting classes. It's been the perfect combo in shaping this roster. So how is you guys follow this stuff up? How good is the talent pool, the high school talent pool in the state of Virginia and how well does Virginia tech recruit? Very strong. Uh, I mean, it's not Georgia or, 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 you know, or something like that, but it's, it's very, very strong. Baseball in the state of Virginia is very good. We've got a lot of in-state players on this team. Yeah. So if you go around the diamond, right, assume, let's assume Holisa is starting at first. He's from Virginia. Uh, second base, Malinowski is not, but Donlin sometimes plays second. He's from Virginia. Schobel's from Virginia Beach. Demartini's from Virginia Williamsburg. Beach. Williamsburg. from Williamsburg. We can have a <laughs> debate. Right. I think you got to loop 757. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Virginia Beach, the whole thing. Yeah, David and I go back and yeah, forth about right. that. Just say the 757. But then even some uh, Carson Jones from Deep Run High School in Richmond, right? Uh, Nick Bittison, St. Christopher's Private School, Richmond, Virginia. Backup catcher Dylan Hatfield from Roanoke. There's a new name. Tyler Dean, who's going to be a really great arm down the road. Northern Virginia. Um, I think this staff has done a really great job. Hackenberg, right? That's a great point. From Palmyra. I don't know if he's born there, but he he grew up there. He's from Virginia. I didn't even think about the pitching side. Do you know what high school he went to? I, well, his I, brother went to Fork Union. Yeah, that's, he went to the he went to the uh, the uh, private school, the Miller School, I believe. Okay, that's right. where he came out of. Graham Firebed mm. from the seven five seven. He's actually from Virginia Beach. That's to be funny. fair, he actually is from the beach. <laughs> so, point being, a lot of in-state talent yeah. on this team, and that's not even counting. I don't know Jack Hurley from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. and Gavin Cross from. Bristol, Tennessee. And so. yeah, Gavin Cross is just across the board. Yeah, so that's, yeah. you know, they're practically from yeah, Virginia. So there's a lot of insight. Go back to what Coach Price said, right, about recruiting. You draw the pencil and do that little radius. If yeah. you do that with tech baseball, you've got a large portion of that team. Yeah. Christian Martin has played a lot. He's from um, uh, just outside of Lynchburg, I believe. I mean, it goes on and on. A lot of Virginia players. So let's get into, uh, let's talk about the ACC championship a little bit, and then we can talk about some of the postseason awards that the guys have won. So for those not familiar with how they do the ACC championship, uh, lay it out for me. So it's 12, 12 teams make it, right? Correct. So 14 teams in the ACC, the one ACC school does not have baseball, Syracuse. You've got 14 teams, 12 qualify. And it's based off of a winning percentage, not overall record, because due to weather, not every team plays the same number of AC games. But it is four pools, three teams, 
in each pool. They moved to this format in 2016. Um, I would say the most important thing about going to the AC tournament is getting that top four seed. So you've got your Coastal, you've got your Atlantic Division in baseball. The winners of each division are guaranteed a top two seed. And then the one with the best winning percentage gets one and the other gets two. Then from three to 12, it's all done based off winning percentage, regardless of division. So going into game two against Duke on Friday, the Hokies still trailed Miami for the best winning percentage. They were going to be the three seed at the ACC tournament if Miami did not slip up because they'd have the best, even though they'd have a better winning percentage than anybody on the Atlantic, okay. those two are okay. guaranteed. All right, I wondered about that. Yep, so you've got you've got three. And then the important thing to get that top four seed is if everybody in your pod or pool goes one and one, the team with the highest seed automatically advances to the semifinals. Yeah. So for some reason, if Tech, so in Virginia Tech's pool, it's Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and then Clemson. If for some reason all three teams went one and one, Virginia Tech would advance. Yeah. And and, to, and the teams in the pod, which we can talk about, Clemson coming off of a sweep of Boston College, they have a losing record in the ACC, but they are one of the last teams projected to make the NCAA tournament according to D1 Baseball. The only wow. team in the field that is not projected to make it is Pittsburgh. And they're the 11th seed. <clears throat> right. So Virginia Tech is the number one eight seed, and they're in a pod with number eight UNC and number 12 Clemson. Yep. Pretty nice. You know, and of course, as you do the second, third, and fourth seeds, the opponents get a little bit higher seeded and in theory a little tougher. And uh, it actually is, is if you're not in the top four, be that number five because UVA is a number five. They're in a pod with the number four seed and then somebody further back. I, you know, I feel like you – I don't really feel rewarded for being the number one seed in the tournament because I look and it's Clemson and North Carolina. For well, it's it's the ACC. Exactly. You well, know? A, you know, as we talk about, Chris, everybody is so good. I know. Right. I mean, Clemson's got the ACC player of the year on their team <laughs> and North Carolina is coming off of a sweep of Florida State. So wow. it's going to be a really exciting But But the way I look at it, it's it's not like basketball, right? Where you're the one seed, you get a bye, and then you get like the 15 or the 14 seed, right? And, and they it's a suck. little different in baseball, right? <laughs> like you've got to play. Why don't the number? Why, why don't the champions of the Atlantic and the champions of the Coastal get just get a bye? Everybody else, pe- everybody else plays. plays, plays you go right to the semis. Uh, yeah, right. I yeah. love that option. I mean, I mean an actual reward for finishing first and for, I, for winning. And I also think idea. that Tech playing. So the tournament starts Tuesday. Yeah, Tech's going to start Thursday. I think that's a advantage for the Hokies because. Um, it's like a regional setup, right, where it's across four days. So it's a little bit of a, of a practice for a regional, right, where you've got four days to try and win a regional. So instead of playing Tuesday, then maybe being off Thursday and then back Saturday and kind of scattered like some teams would be, you know you're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You mm. know what's in front of you to manage your bullpen. Yeah, yeah and I think it's true. important to know that I, I did not know this until I talked with Evan and uh, Mike Scovan, the uh, – Baseball uh, sports information director. Yeah, um, Mike's great. Um, I was talking to these guys at the the softball game at midnight, one in the morning, and, and uh, they mentioned I did not know this that the team that is the number one seed gets to pick their off day in the tournament. So Virginia Tech chose to essentially play Thursday, Friday, when they could have potentially you know you could have played like Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. They chose to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So maybe it. You know, you're sitting there going, well, why would they do that? But as Evan just explained, it's a regional feel to it. And, you know, essentially, I don't know what what John Sheff will do, but you've got three starters. 
you can choose what order to throw the three starters in, and then Sunday just go at it. Yeah, yeah. I don't Cause, know cause, what they're because yeah. you know, whoever you play on Sunday, it's going to be the same thing for same that other team. Yeah. It's going to be a bullpen battle. Yeah. Um. So so you've got these four pods, and then four winners come out of it. Correct. Is it is it the final four single elimination? Yes. Okay. If you lose the semis, you're done. So yeah. so correct me if I'm wrong here. The semis on Saturday and the final on Sunday are all on the ACC network, or maybe ESPN. I would think or so. I'm sure you would, the championship. What's, what's be the on point ESPN. of having the ACC network? All the pod stuff is on RSN, which means I won't be able to watch. I it. I don't know if they are or not. Well, that's what I've seen though. But regardless, dude, I've li- said that on Twitter. It better be right. You can always listen across the Virginia Tech Sports Network. We go on air 15 minutes, free Hokie Sports app. Great way to listen in. I'll have you covered. I have listened to you on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You've seen a picture. So if, if Tech ends up winning the A the pool, A pool, they'll play at, at 1 p.m. And it would be either – it'd be from the – they play the, the winner of the D pool. Right. Um, the four of the five, you'd think, comes yeah. out of that. So so it could be, could be Virginia. Notre Dame and the, Virginia, I think, are four or five. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Notre Dame, Virginia, and Florida State, yeah. which is a loaded. So read out real quick Pool C, because let's just say if Tech were the three and they, Miami did not slip up, this would be the opponents if they okay. were the three seed. So, so Pool 1 is Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Clemson. Pool Pool B is Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Pitt. Pool C is Miami, Wake Forest, and NC State. NC State is the 10 seed. They're not a real top. I mean, they like, were, they've been a top 25 team almost all season. Yeah. And then the deep pool is Notre Dame, Virginia, and Florida State. Wow. I would not want to be in pool C or D. I mean, even Florida State in a down year is Florida State. So, so Tech really, the reason I bring that up, Tech really had to take care of business this past weekend against Duke. Yeah. They knew going into it that. They either had to take two of three from Duke and Notre Dame had to take two of three from Miami, or if they swept, they would need just one Miami loss. And they got they it. swept and they got, and that's exactly the scenario that they had to do it and they did. So, yeah. you know, credit to them for, I mean, I think Tech right now to playing really good baseball. Like this weekend, the pitching was excellent. Everything this year, I mean, I, I think we all assumed Tech was going to be able to hit this year. It was just how good's the pitching going to be? Are they going to have bullpen depth? And, how good is their defense going to be? Well, their defense has been much improved, in my opinion. Yep, top 10 fielding percentage in the country. Exactly, and and pretty decent range with guys like Schobel. And uh, I think uh, – so I just think this team, they've shown the ability to win in multiple ways. Yeah. I mean, there no have doubt. been times like, like the first game against Duke where they needed to score 15 runs to win. That's been rare, but but they can do it. Or Liberty it, down one nothing, bottom nine. Find a way. Find a way. And, but they've also been able to. They've also shown the ability again, like Liberty, to, to win pitcher stools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I mean, to come from behind a lot. To not correct, to cut you right. off. This team since Virginia, when they went down four nothing in the second inning and came back to win that game seven five in the rubber match, or the Liberty game, or even Duke, they were down nine five on Thursday. That's right. And they scored five runs. In 12 minutes. Yeah. That includes the the warm-up of the pitcher to start the inning. Five batters, five runs, no outs recorded. It was literally yeah. like that fast. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they're a lot of fun because no no lead is too big to be overcome. Yeah, in their yeah they, yeah. they just crushed the ball. It, like when it was one nothing Liberty, that's almost shocking. It's like, did we play our I mean, Liberty's good. Yeah, they are. But, really but it's too. a it's a rare occasion that tech's gonna be at that point in the game and have to have no Tech runs was down to its final out. Well, the runner on first, wild pitch, and then Malinowski was down 0-1 in the count and hit the game-tying hit, and then two at-bats later walk off. I mean, it's just nah. they've got that ability. Like, they just don't get – sometimes I think you can tell when a team 
kind of gets in their own head a little bit and they're trailing and you could start to see the, it's just a very steady, like, again, it feels the similarities between the softball and baseball teams this year. There are a ton of similarities. And, and, And it's, for both of them, it's anybody can come up with the play anytime. Well, whether, and that's what Chef said, and that's what the softball team did. Yeah, Wh- uh, whether whether it is Malinowski, whether it's Demartini, whether it's Jamie Bailey, any whether part it's of the Ritter, yep. it's it's anybody. You know, they can throw anybody in. We, like we saw, Ali Repko came in yesterday and yeah. got a hit. You know, she's like, like a two fifteen hitter, and she yeah. comes in. And gets Carson an important Carson hit. Taylor. I, I mean, it's the uh, sim- and it's amazing that they're both ranked. What second, third, in the second, country? third in the country yeah. Yeah. again? Like I keep Imagine saying, it. it goes in my brain and goes right back down. So, so, the, so the other big thing about Tech uh, advancing to super regionals in softball, as opposed to being knocked out in regionals, is you know that's more points towards the Directors Cup, which will right. mean an overall higher finish. Yeah. So hopefully baseball can uh, can do the same thing. But uh, like legitimately, I think ba- I think the baseball team is is really really complete. Yeah. So, I, which means they have a chance to make a deep run. So, at the, at D1 baseball. I did not look at their updated projections this morning. By the way, D1 baseball is kind of like the the poll that you use in yeah. baseball. It's what ESPN uses. Last week they were the projected number three overall seed. I, I believe like, Chris Hirons this weekend tweeted they were the number yeah, two the, projected. Yeah, because yeah, uh, but whoever was number two last week, I forget who it was. Or, Oregon, Oregon State, State, I think. The, uh, yeah. UCLA beat them. Yep. UCLA beat them in that so that so, he, so I I I'm willing. To, number one, they are a lock to host a regional. There's it's yes. there's no question. Yeah, that about was that. the next topic. That's of to discussion. be a that's to be a top sixteen seed, and then to be a national seed is to be top eight. They're projected two right now, and I think regardless of what happens this week in Charlotte, they're going to be a lock to be a top eight seed, which means if you win the regional, they're going to host a super as well. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be busy deep into June, man. This is this is wild. Having done this for so many years, I mean, Chris remembers this. Spring football would end, and that was it. Yeah, nothing to do. Yeah, you know, and football recruiting would start up in the summer. You'd have to cover some of that. But can, can I bring this up real quick too? I Go thought ahead. Hokie Sports had a great stat today that Pete Demore and John Sheff are the first baseball and softball coaches to win ACC Coach of the Year from the same school in the conference since 05. 2005. Yep. I, I saw that. I assume that was Georgia wow. Tech. Since since they were they're the only school to have won the ACC right both teams to have won the baseball and softball regular season title in the same year. That's what that would be my wow. guess. So That's a great guess. I that's a ama- I mean 05. We were in kindergarten Decana. I mean like <laughs> it's a long time like uh, yeah. Malcolm And too. Malcolm. I haven't gotten to say best producer in the land today by the way. I just want to say <laughs> shout out Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Great Best to see producer him in the land. Best producer in the land. All I'm right. glad Jay kept that going. So let's talk about the awards. Coach, Coach of the Year, John Sheff, of but course. If he, if anybody voted anybody else number one, I don't see how you could possibly. You're a damn and, fool. And Evan was talking about, he honestly should probably have a really good case for National Coach of the Year, too. Absolutely. Like, like, he yeah. should, like, yeah. There should be a really good chance he wins National yeah, Coach he, of the Year. Yeah, he, he probably will. And as I told you, Will, the other day, my favorite part, and I encourage everybody to go on Evan's Twitter and go find the SoundCloud link from a couple days ago um, with his, what, nine-and-a-half-ish minute interview with John Chef after the game. My favorite part was the beginning because Evan says, it's your PK's post-game report. Uh, and John Chef goes, hold on a minute, PK's? He's, I love PK's. <laughs> he cuts me off because... I love PKs. I'm looking like a coach. I love PKs too. And we had a great laugh together. He's like, I eat PKs all the time. Yes. The advertising right yeah, there on the so text. PKs is the place to go if you want to see athletic department employees. Yes, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, all right. So all ACC first team, Gavin Cross, future top 10 pick Gavin Cross. Yeah. Right. And I think I want to say Joe Saunders was the number 12 or 13 overall pick in the draft. 12th, and he's the highest tech pick ever, right? All right. So it's possible that Gavin Cross becomes the highest the highest pick ever for Virginia. Ember. Uh Drew Hackenberg, starting pitcher, first team. Kudos to whoever well does deserved. the voting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack Hurley, outfield, and Tanner Schobel, shortstop. So yeah. we're talking nine guys, right? And four yeah. of them are Hokies <laughs> in a 14-team yeah, league? I think this is – I believe Scovan tweeted on the baseball account this is the first time uh, since – 2003. So Tech wasn't the first time in AC in like since Tech has joined the ACC that Virginia Tech has had four first team all ACC baseball players. It doesn't wow. it doesn't happen for very many teams. I mean I can no. tell you yeah. that. I mean and all the all ACC second team was Cade Hunter at catcher. And you and could make a stronger argument for first team for him. <clears throat> so yeah. so he's going to be he's going to be drafted probably in the top five rounds. Trouble will too most likely. So it's just a lot of talent there. Third team is Nick Bittison in the outfield and Griffin Green as a starting pitcher. Uh, uh, two other potential pro prospects. Right. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. And I think Griffin is somebody that, like, Drew has been phenomenal, right? Again, the best ERA in the ACC, 10 wins. But Griffin Green, to be the Friday guy to win seven games, a sub-three ERA, I, I go back to his UVA start. He went seven innings, gave up one run on the road at UVA in an that opener. I mean, he's been money this year. What a great one-two punch it's been of Green and Hackenberg. Yeah. And then the all-ACC freshman team, Carson Martini at third base, Andrew Hackenberg again at uh, at pitcher. Mm-hmm. So kudos to those guys, all well-deserved. And this this is just a lot of fun having, you know, two good teams in softball and baseball. So Tech will face Clemson May 26th at 7 p.m. That it's is Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Right. So Thursday night at 7 p.m. And then Friday night at 7 p.m., North Carolina. Yep. And did you say all this is on RSN? No, I don't the, know that the, for yes, sure. Yes, I was texted uh, that the uh, the pool plays on RSN and the semifinals are on ACC Network. So and i got to go to the ball The final is ESPN2. Or you can listen in, Chris. I'd love to have you listen yeah, in. You can, oh, come on. One on one seven. He paints a picture, you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, well, yeah, again, not to give a plug. Hokey Sports app, listen for free. Would love to have you. So, by the way, the rumor is for the regional hosting. I can't remember who told me this rumor, but uh, bleachers down the first baseline. That's what. That's what we've heard. Um, Capacity. That's what. That's what. That's what, that's what someone told me they're going to add additional seating in the patio area. You know what? Mm. I can't exactly picture it in my head, but you're talking about a potential capacity for regionals of 6,500. Well, I, I just want to bring. Up I don't the, know it for a fact. Chris, goodness. did you happen to get out to the Miami series at all this year? No. So I don't know if you guys did either. That was the the Hokey High weekend at home spring game. Yeah, spring oh game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that was the the largest crowd ever for a regular season Virginia Tech baseball game that Friday. It was like thirty five hundred. I think. And Coach Chef looked at me and he said, "Listen, I felt like I was at a concert when I went out to make a pitching change. I mean, it was <laughs> there was that was is a direct quote. And that crowd was unbelievable. That was thirty five hundred Connecticut." That opened the 2013 regional. There were over 5,000 fans there. And oh, I looked it up and I thought it was 3,600. You know, I'm so sorry. The Yankees game was 5,000. Oh, okay, I apologize. Right, right, right. You, so if you get, I'm t- if, if it was you, that same amount of crowd, 4,000, 4, I yeah. mean, that, I'm telling you, that crowd was unbelievable. And I, I, I believe that crowds play a part in momentum personally. And we saw it firsthand yesterday. And I mean, that English field's going to be rocking. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be a really, really cool scene. I yeah, really, the last time yeah. Tech hosted. They had to haul in a, a temporary 
uh, the press trailers box. for a press box. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And it, the new stadium had not been built, so and it was still a good crowd, but it's going to be much, 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 much better this time around. Yeah, yeah. yeah this this is great stuff. English Field is ready for it this time. You know, it really yeah. wasn't ready. Last and, time. and the good thing is, like Tech is by the time that regional happens, Tech will have hosted regionals for softball and super regionals for softball. So they'll be able to learn from their experiences doing that, maybe come up with some new ideas. Yeah. Like, I mean, hey, I man, think the, the tailgating should be great. But yes. like, yeah. I, I, I always tailgate in, in, in the uh, cage. The cage yeah, the, I, yeah. That's where I tailgate for football. Ah, and it's, uh, hmm, I'm getting some ideas in my head. And, and maybe they'll get a volume discount on the temporary bleachers, right? <laughs> <laughs> or they can just move them from softball they, over to baseball that, because right, supers yeah. will be done. You could theoretically you could take theoretically, those exact And models. you know so what? That baseball thought. could be, that would be the first weekend in June. Baseball could theoretically, baseball will be hosting a, a regional Potentially at the same time, the, women, the women's the college team world series is in the col- yeah. women's college world series in Oklahoma yeah. City. This, this is just a blast. What a weekend that would be! Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Evan, thanks for coming in, buddy. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add? No, uh, just uh, great to be back with you guys, and I love listening along. And shout out uh, to Jake and to uh, to Katie and you know Geo and Decana. I mean, just uh, just love the job that you guys are doing. I was telling you the other day. I mean, just all the written content. Yeah. Everything. I still have my subscriber, the subscription. Thank you, Will. So I can still read everything. <laughs> and uh, I mean, from all the sports, you know, I think that this is this will go down as one of the best years in maybe, Olympic sports history. Maybe the best of Virginia ever. Tech. And oh, it's co- no question. Well, everything be best about Directors Cup. You know, yeah. men's basketball yeah. wins the ACC tournament. And Just women, so women's so much basketball. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which by the way, I was about to say this is like what a year for Evan Hughes, man. Yeah. Oh, don't bring that. Women's up. basketball I mean, and baseball. As soon well, as I, they hire Evan Hughes, I, they start winning. I just mean like sports. how lucky you are to oh, be, so, be a part. And how about these women? Did you, and uh, I mean Ashley Owusu, two-time All-American, transferring into Tech women's basketball. Taylor Soul, who was an All ACC second team player, Boston College, starting five of. You know, potentially Amor, Awusu, Soul, King, and Kitley. Mm-hmm. You're going to have two All-Americans on the floor together. Women's basketball is going to be, and that's we're not even talking about all the other sports, but gosh, you talk about bright. a guy who's mining the transfer portal. That's that's yeah, a good. job. I wrote an article Kenny. on that. That's right, yeah. and but we get to talk to Kenny Brooks tomorrow. Actually, it's that's right. 10 a.m. Thank you guys for having me, though. Appreciate it, and um, you know, hope hope to do it again soon. And all the TSLers out there, hope all is well, and. Um, you know, hopefully you guys can come out to English Field for what's going to be, um, as Coach Chef um, says, you guys make an impact at those games. And to echo his sentiment, I mean, you know, home field advantage matters, as we saw this weekend. And uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun next month, no doubt. It is. So uh, last thing, uh, I, I realize I've got my foot on the table, which my wife hates when she watches our <laughs> podcast. But how did I do as a host? You were, Oh, my gosh. Seriously, well, you you used to remember you used to type up word for word your intros. You came in here still, and don't tell me I did. but just not, it's not word for word. Though. Yeah, come on, you used to, you. you yeah. I remember the first time I went home for winter break junior year, and I was watching, and you had it typed up, and uh, I'm reading, <laughs> and you're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I'm just honored to be on this uh, the state. Uh, can, can we close with CC just sitting back in this chair real quick, Decon, and just like. Yeah. You want to, can we just like have a moment a, of just like the old, the old uh, somebody take a picture? Yeah, I mean, just a quick uh, not to not to knock out the oh, cunt. So listen, I figure if Joe Hogan, if Joe if Joe Rogan can host a podcast stoned without notes, I can do it sober. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, Chris is in his rifle red shirt chair. Yes, I, I feel tempted to ask Chris. I mean, how your weekends were? You know, red shirting. Uh, you know. So here's a challenge for you. Can you still do the sponsor read? 
The latest Texas Online oh podcast is brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Yep, you, you know, to, to, well, you uh, used to do Fisher Law Firm. I did. Yep, yeah, yeah, and I forgot the number. I can't do that. Hey, uh, have you guys got a few more minutes to uh, drag this out? Because I forgot, I wanted to talk to you about your most memorable TSL podcast. Wow. Yeah. No. I mean, I know you guys have worked. I'm. I got a few I'm more here. minutes. Yeah. 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 Uh, most memorable. Well, first, uh, yeah, the Olympic hopefuls was by the way. You should go to southeastrtc.com because, I mean, our, <laughs> I mean, that's. Did I get it right? Right now. Uh, yeah. Sure. Southeast Regional Training Center. Uh, SoutheastRTC.com. The yes, there you go. Uh, Coach Roby and everybody over there. I love those peeps. They're great to me. Um, but I don't, most memorable podcast. You know, I remember when we brought Makai in to the old little when studio. We were sitting around the table. Yep, yeah, right after his first national championship and the excitement around that. That was that was a really exciting one. Getting, I mean, to have him in 48 hours removed from winning a national championship, that was certainly a memorable one. I think, um, gosh, I'm trying to think back to... Well, well, the one you would have remembered the most, except I kicked you over into the fourth chair, was when Fuente came in. That's a great point. And that was kind of a cool way for me to go out to see that. That was such a big deal to have Coach on and have yeah. him here. Um, that was a very memorable one, and getting to talk to him about Sam Rogers and you know someone who I think just yeah. epitomizes being a Hokie. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, my, my favorite ones are just when you didn't know where the conversation was going. We might be talking about Chris's Packers or the good luck that he's had or the, I mean, you know, always the first 10 minutes of the podcast for me are always like the, the fun parts where we could just be talking about anything. But I, I think too, just getting to know you guys and you guys, you know, becoming lifelong friends and being at my grad party last year. And, you know, um, it was so fun. Like every, I mean, just getting into a routine of, you know, recapping the football game on a Monday, previewing it later. Yeah. Um, I did. I feel like my football knowledge grew so much. I mean, just you know, pro football focus numbers and all the great stuff from Chris. I mean, um, but well, it was I, a blast. I feel like you really set the tone as a host, and I, and I think Jake has carried that on. You know, and and so really appreciate everything you did for oh. us. So when when people recognize you, do they still mention at this yes. point? Really, TSL absolutely the podcast, yeah. and I always say, I mean. No, I, 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 I'm lucky because I feel like it was my way of introducing myself to Hokie Nation. And, yeah. um, you know, it was, one of the coolest thing was I, I wrote a post when I, after my last podcast and put it out there and just seeing the incredibly kind, you know, comments that people had, but not just for like for what you guys are doing. I mean, I, I, one of my other favorite parts, I never forget, I was at one of my parents' camps in like late July and Will sends me a picture at 11 o'clock on a Friday and it's just this set. No conversation about, hey, we're going to build this, like, awesome new set. It's just, here's the podcast set. And my, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, so what Evan is talking about is when we first constructed the set, I didn't tell him. he It was summertime, so yes. you weren't around. I was, I was coming back in a week. I, yeah, I, did, I didn't tell him we were doing it, you know, and I just sent him a picture when it was done. And because I, I know how you are, man, I almost made you like walk in the door without oh, even should've. knowing it was coming. Well, in Florida. Yeah, it, it, but it's funny. If you go back and look at that first podcast, ooh, it's kind of... The set's pretty cringy. Now, I was so excited because I mean I grew up like reading your work, and I remember like, being, oh my gosh, like when I got that follow back from you guys on Twitter, I felt like I made <laughs> I made it in life. Um, but I, I remember distinct when you just like where I was it was like the last week of freshman year during finals, and I heard you guys were looking for a podcast host, and I was like, I got to do this, I got to do what. I, and I remember being on the phone with you guys when I was in Minnesota my first summer. And I'm like, Evan, we're just going to like verbalize a contract over the phone here. I was like, 
verbal a contract like <laughs> i have made it in life and it was initially to do podcast and wrestling style and and um just and then i also remember when we first did facebook live i was like well we're gonna put a phone at the end of the table what do you think log in tech sideline and no mics mic'd up it's just gonna pick up the natural yeah, sound of us talking, talking to the phone the and we should have day. questions and um so i'm, I'm just Congrats to you guys on everything, and um, you know this is amazing. And the job that Malcolm's done too. I mean, yeah, um, just it's, honored it's, to come back. I was really excited waking up this morning. Saying, I get to, I was glad I could sit my, you know, in the chair too. So well, the chairs Jake's need to chair. be replaced, man. They're 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 pretty horrible. Uh, it's interesting because uh, when Chef came in, he sat in this chair, and you don't realize how slouchy you look sitting in these chairs. Oh yeah, no. And Chef in particular looked like he was like slouching way down. I felt bad for not time. Hey, coach, you know, and. <laughs> And if you see Katie host a podcast, Katie sits bolt upright and nobody else to host a podcast sits bolt upright. So um, these chairs need to be replaced. I've been watching some shows and we all of, grew up playing video games. So yeah. slouching is natural. For yeah. Us. Yeah. Katie I swear that's where I got it. She was growing up. I, I, I grew up sitting on my spine. You know, like doing stuff Do you know like how this. many times I get texts from my mom during these podcasts? Is it like your posture's bad, or like <laughs> did you not put gel in your hair this morning? Or I mean, gosh, it felt like I was getting like you know, my wardrobe. Are your socks matching? I mean, you know. Well, it's so weird to have people. Thanks, comment, YouTube Live. People commenting on what <laughs> you're wearing. They are matching today. I want the record to show they are. We wow. stepped up. Yeah. Why do you get to be my age and you watch one of the podcasts <laughs> that's two years old and you're like, wow, I looked a lot younger back then. What is happening to me? <laughs> so I may have to phase myself out of here soon. But no, uh, good, great memories. And I, I, you know, I just, it was fun. It just felt like we got into a rhythm. It was fun getting to know, still am, but like getting to know you guys like in the middle of podcasts, right? Like right. we got into a routine of like knowing when you want to jump in, like, you know, body mannerisms or like the quick little, you yeah. know, we were, it was fun. We were, uh, we were dialed in. They also shelled you over your favorite TV, you know, the, the TV, oh, you the know, TV hey, and movies. Hey, I know, you, I know you got to run. We talk about, but I do want to bring this up. So I went on ESPN Blacksburg two months ago, and Paul Van Wagner asked me if I've said just a bit outside on the air this year, <laughs> and I said no because I know the reference, but I haven't seen the movie, and I want to make sure I get it right. If if go ahead, sorry. and and Clark Ruland. Just decides to tweet out, Evan Hughes has not seen Major League. And I counted. I had 52 different people tweet at me. And I'm talking like <laughs> some were legitimately mad. You got that ratioed. I, not, I got ratioed hard. I, fig I figured for Bill Roth's program, that would be like the number one <laughs> requirement. So so I texted these guys. Because remember, for those that are a lifelong TSLs, when I hadn't seen Office Space, you would have thought I'd committed a crime. We had Bitter on the podcast. Even Bitter at that point was like, how have you not seen that? So I just want the record to show. I have seen Major League. It is. I give it a 9 out of 10. Office Space, it's still too dry for me. It was fine. I know the pieces of flair. I get the reference now, and I've got that down. But I still have yet to see Field of Dream. I'm sorry. Sorry, Bull Durham. Oh, man. And there are a lot of more baseball movies that I've left to go. That's so amazing. I will conference I'm with you. I'm amazed that, like, nobody, being the sports guy that you are, you've never saw any well, of Well, it's not just that, but, it, it, and, and I'm actually, I think I'm half serious when I say this. If, if you're teaching broadcasting and you are teaching, one of the things you're teaching is calling baseball games, 
developing talent that can call baseball games, you do need to make sure that they oh, see absolutely. Bull Durham and Major League and, and all those sorts of moves. But I just, I appreciated the mentions. And by the way, it's all good fun, Hokie fans. But I mean, this was during the ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. We had just beaten North Carolina. And I was still getting tweets. How have you not seen <laughs> Major seen League? <laughs> and the best is like, you guys got involved. And anyway, so I want the record to show. Thank you guys for... Showing me the movies, and maybe we can keep this going. What I need. So now you understand why for big football games I bring the Joe Boo doll to the tailgate and put a rum and a cigar out there. (laughs) So that was my favorite part about watching Major League. I remember you brought this up on a podcast that you would. What's it called again? Joe Boo. Joe Boo. You you would ball, and I was like, "What in the world?" Like I I just didn't understand. It's one of those moments as a podcast. You kind of nod your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Act all engaged, and you'll know what's going on. And then I watch the movie. I go, Chris Coleman. I've got it. Some of my friends actually got that for me as a gift. That's, That's awesome. how I got it. And it comes with a fake cigar. Yeah. But it broke off, so I have had to go get him a real one for the tailgates this past year. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty good time since they came out there. That's people awesome. see it and that it takes them a second to no, realize like, who it, it is. But that's yeah. it. Oh man. Well, never stop learning, Evan. Never stop learning. Evan, I've got a question for you. Do you have what what is if you had to pick one, what is do you have a favorite call from this year? Or and if you don't have a favorite call, what what is the favorite Virginia Tech sports moment, moment this year you've gotten to experience. Well, I mean, I feel like, I mean, to call the first ever series win in Charlottesville for Tech baseball since they've joined the ACC, that felt, I mean, if Ryan Zimmerman day that Saturday, five, six, seven thousand UVA fans, that was, yeah. but for me, it, it, it'll be the, um, I, I think, well, I mean, this past weekend, right? Like, I don't want to say recently, but it's like getting to call an ACC regular season title for Tech baseball, that was exciting. But I think in the game for me, was that North Carolina quarterfinal game. You know, you're in Greensboro, you lose Kayla King, your best defender the day before. Kitley leaves in the first quarter, and you're going up against the 16th-ranked team in the country, down your ACC player of the year, your best starter, and you come back and, and, and win that game, and Georgia has that layup with two. I mean, to me... That was one of the – I wish that game was at Castle because I think even more Tech fans would have been like, yeah, that's one of the moments of the year because right. it was just – I mean, for them to hit the three then at the buzzer but then go to overtime and win. I mean, Coach says that's his favorite one he's had since being the head coach of the Hokies, and I, I can't fault him Certainly for most all. improbable considering who was not on the court. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. So that, that's one that will always resonate with. But I, I, th- I think moving forward to like to call a regional, like if Tech were to win a regional, super – Get to Oklahoma City. I mean, I, I, I uh, to Omaha. I feel privileged and honored that I get to be the voice that's that's documenting this these two amazing seasons that are going on right now. So we hired David last fall, and he gets to go up to New York and see Virginia Tech win ACC, ACC Yeah, I brought, I brought the confetti back there on on, there on the it table. Is. That's yeah, awesome. AC, I got. So, I have. Yeah, I was in. Like Evan and I. What a year for us. We literally. Yeah. Just over a year ago, Evan and I were graduates, and now. You know, he, we both, he's gotten to call some games. I've gotten thought, to call you know, some like, games. So David yeah. gets back from New York and I'm like, you know, it's all downhill from here, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, appreciate you coming on, man. Thank and, you. Uh, folks, thanks for listening for almost two hours. Well, once, once Malcolm takes the breaks out, it'll be more like an hour and 40 minutes of uh text outline podcast number 239. And uh, I'm not going to commit to doing one on Wednesday, but I think we may get uh, Chip in here and, and uh, preview uh, preview softball. And if so, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>